The following audio brought to you by TSF Entertainment Podcast may contain graphic descriptions of violence and or audio clips of violence or sexual explicit events. Listener's discretion is advised. TSF Entertainment Podcast fans, it is your boy, the Juggernaut of Souls, and I am in the building with the fam. Everybody, what's good? It's your boy, Retro CG. What's up, everybody? Hey, it's really BTV. I'm here. Jackie Jordans, I got my red cup. What's good? <laughs> he got the <your> red cup. <laughs> he keep the red cup. And tonight, we are talking about Power Book 3. Episode three, um, this raising Canaan. Uh, what's the name of this episode? Stick and move. All right, we're gonna talk about the stick and move. Um, another good episode, another good episode. Yeah, I do feel like That's this it. episode, however, was more of a filler episode, uh, it was more so character, uh, character development episode. Um, and I can really appreciate these episodes in between. Because, you know, the last two episodes, we've had a lot of things that's been going on. And so I think this episode was kind of put there to kind of smooth out things. Um, so the episode starts off with Scrappy um, on the corner, and he's pretty much managing the corner. I mean, he's managing the uh, the workers. Uh, he's managing the customers, you know, pretty much telling everybody cop and go, cop and go. You know, he's just, you know, kind of keeping an eye on shit, making sure everything right. Um, and so we see the, uh, the police pull up and, you know, they rolling up the corners. And so, you know, uh, most of the workers get rounded up, but, you know, Scrappy was able to get away. He took off. I know y'all check that footwear. <laughs> great. I knew, I knew that was great five. DJ, DJ, what do we have for the footwear today? He had the great fives on. Up. Great fives. That's correct. <laughs> he had the great fives on. <laughs> the Air Jordan five, um, Seems to be a very popular shoe uh, for this series because you know they've had the fire reds and not the grapes, so I can appreciate that. I'm Shots sure y'all off. can. I am sure Shots y'all can. Yours. You know, you know what I actually thought about this episode because the name of it was "Stick and Move." It to me, it just seemed like it was in my perspective. It seemed like it was more like of a romantic. I don't know, love connection episode, kind of. That's how. That's how I felt about it. Well, that's why I kind of feel like it was a filler episode, more based on character development than anything, because we learned a lot about uh, some of the characters that we hadn't spent any time with uh, up until this point. Uh-huh. Um, so uh, Malcolm, uh, or Detective Howard, takes off chasing after uh, Scrappy, and, and, and Scrappy gave him a good run for his money. I mean, he chased him all over the, uh, New York. 
I mean, he in and out of businesses. He in and out of laundromats. And then finally, when they get to the laundromat, Detective Howard is just, he don't gave out. He out of breath. Mike mm-hmm. S, big ass can't run that fast. I might, <laughs> yeah, Mike S, his big ass can't run that fast like he was in the program. He, 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 he ain't right. <laughs> like right. He, he ain't in it too deep right now. Yeah, he, his he, big he, ass is tired. <laughs> we later on find out. Uh, initially, I just uh, chalked it up to that. You know, he's older. This is a young cat. He chasing. You know, I just chalked it up to him just being um, worn out, tired. You know, and this young fella don't give him a run for his money. But um, later on in the episode, we find out uh, why or a reason why. So then we switch to Raquel and Symphony, and they get it on. Jodeci, come and talk to me. Listen, I'm, I'm really digging this show. This show is just, the music is on point. Everything is on point for that era. It's just. I was going to say, everything is on point for that era. Yeah. Everything is just is perfect. It, uh, if I didn't know no better, I would feel like I'm watching this show in 1991. Mm-hmm. I really do. Um, so we see that their relationship is building. Um, and uh, at this point, I can't say that it's a true love connection per se. I think they're just, you know, having fun. You know, you know the sex is good. They enjoy each other's company. I think at this point, I I think that is just the basis of their relationship. I don't think mm-hmm. that it's to a point where their relationship status. Or am I wrong with that? <clears throat> no, I kind of picked up on that too because I was like, all we see them do at this point is have sex, which I mean, it's nothing wrong with sex, but we don't see them dating. And yeah, we see her talking to him and her being impressed with what he knows in reference to you know, what he's studying in school, but I mean, she still can't seem like she still can't wrap her brain around the concept that he's not in undergrad. Like, she's still talking like he's an undergrad or something. Like, like he's in grad school. And he's like, really getting his master's, right? Right. So, yeah, I mean, right. there's a connection there, but I agree. I don't I don't know if we would necessarily put it on the level of, like, I, 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 you know, you know. And what we're further seeing with this is pretty much from what I've seen from day one, her her biggest attraction to him is that he's educated and that you know he is um you know doing doing something good for himself you know as far as um, trying to get education and bettering himself and you know he knows things that she may or may not know about because she's not college educated and it's really what we've seen from episode one that she wanted for her son you know she wanted mm-hmm. her son to have a better life and to be educated so i think that's the biggest part of her attraction to him is that is that you know he is a schoolboy and he's trying to do the right thing and you know live the life right um so after he finished cracking her back real good um he's getting up to get dressed and she's like oh so you just go hit it and go and he was like well no not really but i got to go you know do my school work i gotta go do a paper or whatever and she was like, well, you know, I got a computer here. I got a Macintosh here that you can use, um, type your paper up. You know, basically, she wanted to chill for a minute, which that was actually surprising to me because she looked like one of those types that, you know, uh, after we don't did our thing, you know, you can go about your business now. You know, she looked, I, I expected her to have dismissed him. You know, she wouldn't want no dude laying up under her all day. So it was very surprising that she wasn't ready for him to go yet. That's but, why I feel like it's a little bit more. At that's least. what I was going to say. That's yeah. exactly, go ahead, Damon. Go ahead. That's why I feel like I feel like she's feeling them, you know, a little bit more. Not saying that she's all the way in, you know, as far as, you know, relationship exclusive shit. But, but she getting I feel there. As though, yeah, yeah, I feel as though she definitely has. She, there's definitely some feelings there because other than that, she's just seemed like the type of person. Like, all right, I got mine. You got yours. Right. Going about your business. 
And that's right. why and I said the same thing. That's why I feel like I, I'm not saying that, that I feel like there are definitely feelings there that they like each other. I just think they haven't evolved quite to that point yet in their relationship, you know, but they're definitely feelings there because you're right. I think right. if it was just a booty call, she'd be like, all right, you can go. You know, I don't think they would be in her house. You know what I mean? Like, I don't feel like she brings random dudes in her home. Like, I don't, I just don't feel like she would do all of that. So I definitely feel their feelings there. I'm just saying, I don't think they've quite, you know, continued. They're not there. They're just having good sex, which, you know, a lot of people have good sex in the beginning of their relationship. You know what I'm saying? While they're still getting to know each other. So. Did right. we lose Juggernaut? No, I'm still here. I'm listening. Oh, okay. Nah, yeah, I'm there. I'm um, tuning in. I'm tuning in. I'm just, I'm just taking in what everybody else is saying, and then make my comments afterwards. Okay. So what we do see, uh, like in between, you know, their their moment, you see, Kanan is in his room getting dressed for the day, and he's looking at the uh, the funeral uh, program for D. Wiz. So I'm, I'm just, I'm not gonna be petty at this point because you know I'll, I'll be petty. But um, I'm assuming that there's a couple of days that have went by. Yeah, and, that was um, a time leap. Yeah, there was a little bit of a time leap. I don't know if it's been a week, uh, a couple of days that have it's went by. It's been at least a week. At yeah. Least a week. yeah. I ain't mean, mad I mean, <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, how, how did we get here that quick? <laughs> you know? I'm not mad at right. The only way I'd be mad at that is if we missed a, a character that they introduced later on that was at that funeral. That's the only way I'd be mad at it. But other than that, I ain't really too mad at it. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm I'm okay with it. Like I'm I'm actually glad they didn't drag that out. Yeah. Like we know we know he died. We know who killed him. Like yeah. I'm kind of glad they didn't drag that out. So right. I'm I'm okay with the with the jump in that moment. Yeah, I'm not mad at that. Yeah. So he's coming um downstairs. Uh I guess he's getting ready to go off to school, which he should have been gone to school already. But uh, he sees Symphony on the computer. You know, he got his headphones on. He just rocking out. He's typing his paper. And he's like, yo, who the fuck are you? <laughs> he's like, yo. Yo, my marriage is still in his drawers. Typing <laughs> right. on, his, on his Mac. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, Kanan wasn't having that. He wasn't he, happy about that at all. <laughs> oh, man. It reminds me of that scene with you want some eggs on on, uh, on Baby Boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are you hitting with? Oh, I'm not, I'm like, in the drawers. Like, what the fuck, man? You crazy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would have been high. <laughs> he was. He was. He wasn't thrilled about that at all. He wasn't happy about that at all. Yeah. Tries to introduce himself to him, but you know, Kenny went. Raquel uh, walks in, and uh, she's like, "Well, you know, you being rude to my company. This my house. Mm-hmm. I can right. have who in here I want, and you need to apologize to my friend because you know like, you're a little bit disrespectful. You know, somebody tries to brush it off, like, yo, you know, I understand. You know, he's a young guy. You know, I would be upset too. You know, if I came downstairs, I seen some nigga in my house." You know, in his drawers, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, sitting, at the, sitting at the computer. Yeah. So uh, we learned that he was supposed to be at school already. So, you know, Raquel, she ain't having that. And it seems like the exchange between Kanan and Raquel now is getting borderline disrespectful. It ain't like, borderline disrespectful. It is. It is. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. It is very disrespectful. Well, he's, well, you have to keep in mind now, we all been 15. 
you know, and yeah, he's used to the good. fact he's used to the fact that it's just him and his mom. So, because he even comments to it when they get in the car. I know it doesn't give uh, him an excuse, but I can understand a change in his behavior because there's a lot of things that have happened in the course of these last few weeks or so, or a few days or so. A lot has happened. So, you know, you have to uh, imagine that's taking a toll on him. So I'm, I'm going to excuse his behavior for now because, again, mm-hmm. I still don't find it as disrespectful as Tariq was to Tasha Ghost. Like, he was just flat out disrespectful, cussing at them and, you know, raising hand slap uh Tasha and stuff. I like he was just way gone. I do like I the feel, fact I do like the fact the way she, you know, like she checked him immediately. Yeah, she don't play with him. She she yeah. let him know right then and there when he's a foul. Immediately. And, you know, and as the male of the house, as the man of the house, he has a certain responsibility. He feels like there's a certain responsibility he has to his mother because we even see him speak to that uh in an earlier episode when he was like, Mom, what happens to me if something happened to you? So and, right. you know, in his mind, as a 15-year-old boy, he's he's trying to look out for the best interests of his mama. So I, I, I understand that his talking back is a little bit disrespectful, mm-hmm. but at the same time, she even said it earlier in the, uh, later on in the episode that, you know, they grew up together. She had him when she was 16. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, we see relationships with parents and their children where they're friends. And I, I don't necessarily agree with that style of parenting, but I mean, I mean, I understand it. When you grow up young with your child, you know, y'all tend to have a more um, non-traditional parent-child relationship. But uh, she tries to tell him in the car that, look, listen, you know, and this is where I start having a bit of an issue with her because, I mean, clearly she looks down at his shoe and um, she see that he got the R.I.P. Uh, D-Wiz on his uh, forces. Right. And so she she take note to the fact that, you know, he's grieving his his friend. You know, I know that you're having a hard time losing your friend or whatever, but, you know, and they instantly, she instantly, you know, started running that interference that, you know, he got dropped because he was running his mouth about the whole Buck 20 situation and, you know, right. let that talk stay on him. It, they ain't talking about you now, you know, let that be. Um, you know, we're going to get together and go over there and see his mama right. and show support. Like, you know, I'm starting to look at her like, you know, that's a little bit vicious right there. <laughs> you know, you- but, she, but she's vicious, though. That's the shit that, you know, you you kind of see that. Like, you kind of see, like, somebody drop somebody or whatever, or whatever, and then they got on the RIP t-shirt, you know, with them. You know, like, with the, even though you did the damage. Well, it oh, yeah, so that, to, um, that's that, uh, that's that, that's that Bishop and Jew shit. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. like it's kind of like that. Like they did the damage, but they put it on the RIP. Right, because she straight up said, you know, he got dropped. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't put that on you. But she also said, "You, I told you these streets don't play. So this is a part of these streets not playing." Like she was right. kind of. I mean, again, for this is how it goes. Right, and Kanan, and this is saying okay. So, and I see what I, I hear what you're saying, but I also look at it from a different point of view. I'm like. First of all, this is a situation you created. I know it doesn't take right. away from your trauma, but you created this. And for you to sit there and act like, oh, everybody, the world did D-Wiz so wrong. At the end of the day, we don't know. It's retribution. Right. Well, we don't know. Like, it really legit could have been his bullet. There's no, we don't know if it was his bullet or your bullet. That was that was what right. we said from the beginning. So, like, you know, I, I, what's, now, what's frustrating me, and we'll, I, you know, when we get to that part, I'll say it, but what's frustrating me is, how green Keenan really is 
because you know how the streets are. Like, y'all legit took it upon yourselves to shoot somebody down, a couple of people down, in the middle of the day with no mask on. Somebody was going to have to be dealt with. And I know that that was your friend, but for you to act like this was so crazy, like he just randomly was picked and he was, and he, was, and he business, didn't deserve it. Yeah, and he didn't deserve yeah. it. Yeah, no, it's damn that. Like the streets because in reality, it could have been you. He got said. whacked. She was like, remember at the end? Well, I don't want to jump ahead, but remember when she said this could have been Keenan's face on this funeral program? Like, so I think in her mind, yeah, it's it's ruthless, but in her mind, it was it was that son or my son, and it, it, it wasn't was gonna be my son. It was, yeah. it was necessary. Yeah, definitely. So it was a, a a necessary evil. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I mean, if you in that life, you in the life. Nah, god damn it, my red cup empty. <laughs> Already? <laughs> Already? <Damn>. Already? <laughs> hey, I just I, I just feel mad back up. <laughs> damn it! And I've been, and I've been, I'm sorry. I'm definitely I'm behind. Audience, but I'm in the car recording, you know, to try to get this done. And I gotta walk all the way over there. Yeah, that ain't happening right now. But all right, good, good. Continue so we, retro CG. <laughs> so we get to the next scene. We're at the uh, police department, and the captain is uh, meeting with Bert and Detective Howard, and he's pretty much, you know, letting them have it. He's like, look, we got two juvenile deaths, y'all rolling up corners, and y'all ain't bringing me nothing. I need some drugs on the table, I need some money, I need I need an arrest, mm-hmm. I need a suspect, I need something. Like, this shit that y'all doing right here ain't working. And I need y'all to get out here and, 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 and get these cases solved, or, you know, get me some drugs on the table or something, or y'all about to be fired. I mean, basically, that's what he was telling them, you know. And they were just, you know, sitting there kind of taking it, you know. And Bert, she, she's new. So, you know, she she legitimately wants to solve the crime. I think, uh, going back to what you guys were saying in previous podcasts, I think Detective Howard is more so maintaining order on the street. So I don't necessarily think that he wants to solve the crime, per se, because, I mean, he already knows who did it. I'm about to say, <laughs> he knows what happened. Yeah, he knows what happened. So I think for him, it's, it's less bloodshed if he can maintain order in the streets than it is rounding up suspects for murders. Because I mean, in this do you, life, do you think though? Hurt. Do you think though, if he went out and started rounding up suspects, his name could very well come up? Because it looked like he knew his way around the block. It's pretty much confirmed. You know what I'm saying? Like they they started him in like pretty much the end of episode one, and now in episode three, you pretty much see like he knows his way around. You know what I like about well, I'm gonna I'm keep that. I, I'm gonna keep that for when we do our character analysis. I don't think that he's worried about his name coming up because I don't. Again, we haven't he's seen not him involved. do anything. Yeah, we, he's we, not involved. He, he knows know that he's but, not involved. From right, what but what, I mean, but what? Right, but what? 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 What are the criminals gonna say? Detective Howard knew I was the murderer and didn't arrest me. Like, what are they gonna complain about? <laughs> <laughs> like, so I don't I'm, think that's it. And again, I think that for the crimes that he is able to solve. He relies on a bit of the resources from the streets in order to get about through his job. So, you know, knowing who to go to, knowing who to shake down or whatever. But we also know, I kind of understand where you're going with that, uh, Juggernaut, um, because we also know that he's he has an ulterior motive that he's working. He has a different angle that he's working. And the angle that he's trying to work right now is he wants to eliminate Raquel and her crew. 
he wants right. unique to be uh, victorious. He wants unique to be the only one standing. So in his mind, let me get rid of uh, Raquel's group. And then, you know, I'll have only one crew to deal with. And I'm sure he's getting some type of a kickback. We haven't seen that yet. And I'm sure we'll see that later on as his character develops uh, through this season and the next season. We're going to see why he's so loyal to uh, Unique's crew. Because I think a lot of his character, man. But I'm going to get into that when we start breaking down. Yeah, the character I definitely analysis. think it's a personal. It's, it's something personal it, that he has. His, like, his it's is definitely like, personal. His is, his is different. Um, so do y'all think in that moment though that uh he was actually concerned about um solving the case? You know, do you think he was more so concerned about wanting to save his job or what what do you think is going through his mind at this moment? Because you see him processing what the captain is saying, but what does that really mean to him? What do you think that really I means? I don't to think him? he a bit more concerned about what that captain said than the man in the moon. I don't I either. think I don't think he was nervous, scared, worried at all. Mm-hmm. When the captain's talking about some there are plenty of openings and property, he's not worried about like she's not, worried not she's a, new. That's the first yeah, time. Yeah, not he's a heard little bit. Speech. He wasn't concerned with yeah, that. I'm sure he's heard that speech a million times. You can see the look on his face. He was just yeah. sitting there like, Are you done yet? Yeah, I think his name is big yet? enough in the I think his name is big enough in the department that it really doesn't big enough in the department and big enough in the streets that it don't fade him. And you can tell he's been yeah, around. Fade, so he's one of those that really run the department but don't have the position or the title. He's like that person that everybody go to. So yeah, he didn't look bothered at all. I agree with that. I think his job is pretty much to I think in his head that he knows he can't control every crime that happens over the streets or just, you know, whatever. But if he could just minimize some of the bullshit that goes on on the streets, which I think he manages, manages, you know, up until now to the war between uh, Rock and Unique, that he's good. As long as he's able to manage the shit that goes on, I think that's what he's trying to do. He's just trying to manage it. Right. Case I, he's trying to manage. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that too. Yeah. So the next scene we got uh Raquel, Lulu, and Marvin. They all sitting up in the Range Rover. They sitting out on the block. And you know, uh, this is the aftermath of their corners getting rounded up. So they sitting here trying to talk this out, think this out, like, yo, all our spots got hit. Which I'm kind of confused as to why they still have corners to begin with, because I thought that uh uh, Raquel had gave up all their corners, but apparently they still had some. No, she didn't give up all their corners. She gave up those corners in that that first meeting. Remember that first meeting when Unique and he because remember when they met at the end of first of the first episode and Unique even he said to her, I don't remember the exact wording, but he basically was saying you you know seems to me like you need to give me all your corners, and she was like, yeah, I'm not doing that. That, that's when they switched the corners. Her. That's when yeah. they switched the corners. But after that, after Kanan and D. Wiz had shot up uh, um, Buck 20, when they had that next meeting, in order to call the hit off of Kanan, she had to give up the rest of the corners. So that's what I'm referring to because at this point, I didn't think that they had any more corners because that was the whole point of them trying to get the uh, bodega up and going was so that they could... Um, take the hit off of Kanan. So it was very interesting to see that they were still, uh, they still had corners. Mm, but okay. what we see in this is that they're they're kind of pissed off, like, yo, how come all our corners got hit and Unique's corners, they still thriving? Like, you know, all I was is bone dry. 
and they were basically talking about how they only had enough work to get them through a day. Like they only had a day's worth of work left and that apparently their connect um, had sent word that they wasn't going to get a re-up until he had a sit down with Raquel. Mm-hmm. And so at that point, you know, they're they're kind of pissed off. And actually, in this moment, we see that Marvin is a little bit more connected to the business than we initially thought, because, you know, he was, you know, speaking his piece about what he sees going on or whatever. So going back to what I was saying in last week's episode is that I think that Marvin um, wants to run the business a different angle than what they're doing. They're more so the streets. Marvin is kind of like ghosts. Uh, he kind of wants to run the drugs through the uh, club. Like, he kind of wants uh, to cover up their business a little bit more than um, how Lulu and Raquel, I mean, they straight relied on the streets. Because yeah, See, I know, got the opposite. I got the opposite from that because when when Raquel was saying, when Raquel was talking about um, finding other ways to make money, and he was like, but people, people died for these corners. We can't just abandon the corners. That is true. That is true. I still think that his ultimate end game would be uh, them more so reliant on running the drugs through the club. Unless he is truly infatuated with uh, Tony at this club. See, I think that the whole purpose of him um, finessing this lady at the uh, club, Tony, is not because he actually genuinely likes her. I mean, at this point, I think he's probably developed a, a bit of a crush on her or whatever. Or he, At the very least, he wants to fuck her. Um, and that's fine. But I really think that it's for the betterment of the business. I really think that he wants to do it because he wants to make sure that those drugs stay in the club. Right. He wants that club. Exactly. So uh, we we meet we meet um, Raquel connect Azuma Dean. <laughs> Azuma Dean. Um, he's at the bingo bingo hall with his mama. And so she walks in, you know, and um, he turns his mama's hearing aid off for them to have a conversation. Interesting enough, we learned that Azuma Dean actually supplies weight for Raquel and Unique. So that was very interesting to see that they're con- they have the same connect. Mm-hmm. And he was, uh, you know, he of course he had found out that they corners had got hit. And I guess he had turned the faucet off for them. It was like, yo, you got problems. You know, Unique's corners didn't get hit. Why did yours? And she was like, oh, it's just a simple roundup, blah, 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 blah. You know, she ran good interference on that. But in, in reality, she already know what's up. She already know right. that uh, uh, Unique had dimed them out to get their corners ra- uh, rounded up. So, you know, she ended up starting to, you know, formulate a plan. But she... No, but... Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, yeah, I think that's part of it, but she also knew that Detective Howard had something to do with it, because from the conversation she has with him later on, she says, if, if your nose ain't so far up Unique's ass, nah, like, actually, I feel like... You know, it's, it's well, like, oh, no, okay. it's, well, it's so you know what I'm saying? Even with episode, even with episode two, he said, he said, if you get me, if you help me with what you need, what I need you to help me with, I make sure you're sitting on that throne. So basically, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's basically like his mud in your eye. Fuck it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to get you off the street so I can take over. So you already know what that's starting off. With that starting off, and basically you got this man chasing down, um, chasing down Scrappy. You already know what it is. 
Well, I think that I, I, I don't necessarily think that Unique had anything to do with her corners getting round up. She's blaming him for that, per se. But I think that's going back to what you guys were saying about Detective Power. I think that was him keeping his promise to Unique that I'm going to get rid of Unique. I'm going to get rid of Raquel for you mm-hmm. so you can be number one on top. So, you know, he was just going, going through the motions and say, you know what, I'm going to hit her corners today and round up her people. I don't necessarily think that he orchestrated that. Uh, and as we see, she orchestrated it with with him. Um, I think it was just more so, you know, I'm just going to fuck with her today and today's the day. And so, of course, she didn't take that shit laying down. <laughs> Cause she she started uh she started you know I ain't gonna say she finessed uh Dean she had a conversation with him you know she was able to convince him to turn the faucet back on and you know he pretty much gave the word to one of the workers uh look like it's probably one of his lieutenants uh gave the uh, word to the worker for him to go ahead uh, and re up them you know let them get their re up you know she started talking to the worker uh, I can't remember what dude name was. And uh, she was like, yo, I thought you were supposed to be uh, moving down south, North Carolina. He was like, no, nah, it's actually South Carolina. But he was like, you know, my nest egg ain't long enough yet. He was like, it's going to be, I'm going to need some more money. He's like, it's going to be like another year before I can get the money up to uh, move to South Carolina. And she's like, yo, it sounds like you need some part-time work. And so mm-hmm. that right there, she was giving him an invitation to, you know, uh, if you help me, I'll help you. And going right. back to what we said earlier right. about her character analysis, and I can't wait for us to do that episode because I I think that we've already identified that as one of her idiosyncrasies in earlier episodes that she uses money to fix problems, and so um, quite naturally uh, she's going to offer him some money. But right. anyway, they have that conversation. Shout out to uh, Azuma Dean because. He was from the wire. I was, <laughs> was you took oh my yeah. god, you took the right out of my see, mouth. It was nice to see a character from, my boy Power, B, from the wire. My boy in Power. B from season one. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. You know, we watch these shows. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was nice to see uh characters from uh a character from the wire in power. And you know who else would be a good character for power that I'm very surprised that they haven't brought in? That would be Tristan Wiles. The little dude who played Michael on uh, The Wire. He was really, yeah. he was a really good actor. He was a really, really good about, actor. Yeah. He played that uh, role very well. Um, it would have been nice to see some of those characters um, come on over into the power world. But I think uh, what they're trying to do is they they don't want that comparison their show to the Wire. So I think they're trying to not recycle any of those characters from the Wire. So it was very interesting to see uh, Dean from the Wire. Um, play to connect. And one thing we heard about his character uh, with 50's voiceover or Kanan's voiceover was that he was silent and violent. You know, mm-hmm. he was one of those drug lords that, you know, he ain't gonna say too much, he ain't gonna do too much, you know. He's like, he got that long money and, you know, he just he's just gonna act, you know. He mm-hmm. ain't gonna be one of those ones that gonna do a whole bunch of talking. And rightfully so, he's a boss. He's running an organization, a criminal organization, so, you know, he's not gonna get uh, mixed up in the rhetoric. And he even told him, he's like, look, I don't care about neither one of y'all. I, I supply both of y'all. You know, I'm not gonna get I'm not gonna choose sides between y'all a petty feud or whatever. But you know, when y'all business start affecting my business, then we have a problem. Then we got a problem. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. we got a big problem. So <clears throat> we know what was getting ready to happen then. We 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 knew in that moment that Raquel was gonna use that worker to um uh make some shit happen in her favor. 
And so uh, we did get to the doctor's office where you see uh, um, what's his name? Malcolm. Detective Howard is meeting with the yeah, doctor. Yeah, Malcolm Howard. And he's diagnosed with uh, leukemia. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's a very aggressive uh, version mm-hmm. of uh, leukemia. And she was pretty much asking him, did he have some immediate family members or some family members that he could call and have them tested and of course you know uh, to see if they have uh the condition or uh, bone marrow and um you know at this point he needs to start discussing um um treatment options right and um in that moment he didn't seem he you could see the concern in his face is more so he's processing the fact that damn i just got diagnosed with what could be a terminal illness um, and then, you know, the fact that she's speaking to the fact that, you know, you need to get in touch with family members and whatever. And he's like, well, you know, I'm pretty much a loner. You know, both my parents are gone. You know, I got some cousins down in Alabama that, you know, we ain't seeing. I don't, I don't fuck with them, right? Yeah, I don't <laughs> fuck with them. You know, we fell out over some property or some land. You know, we ain't together, you know. And so he's really trying to just process in that moment. He He's probably more concerned than what he's showing in this moment, but I mean, you know, that, let me get a moment here because right. you know, and I, I just think found that's, out, yeah, yeah. I just Sorry. found out that you know uh, I'm fucked up. I'm gonna say this. I thought about this after I did my review. I really didn't think about this before I did my review, but I'm wondering if this is where we're going to find out who he really is because I don't know if I believe I believed it in the moment, but the more I thought about it, I don't know if I believe him that he don't have no family in New York. And I'm wondering if that's how we're going to find out how he's connected and who he's connected to, because the family he does have, he don't really want to ask. But I think it might be maybe somebody on Raquel's side or maybe we were saying before about who he's connected to, because I don't know if I believe that he don't have nobody in New York. Yeah, and the fact that he made a point to so adamantly uh, define that and so quickly respond to the question tells me that he's hiding something. Yeah, um, I feel like, and I feel like that's how they, because cause at first I was like, why are they making a big deal about, I mean, not making a big deal, but why are they bringing this into a storyline? Like, that's such a weird storyline for them to bring in. But now I'm like, it's okay, a twist. Well, maybe it's that's a, a way twist. for them, yeah, maybe that's a way for them to bring in the, who, who he's, he's related to. to. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's something I kind of identified earlier on because, you know, my initial thought was that he was related to uh, Unique's family. Um, and it could be a, a plot twist where he's related to Raquel's family. I so, think if anything, um, it probably and, would be Raquel. And, because... and there's some resentment there. And his, his motivation to take her down is more personal than um, being Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. So, uh, I agree with that uh, theory. I do agree with that theory. So next we see Jukebox, and uh, it took me three episodes to finally learn this little girl name. Her name is Nicole. So we see uh, Jukebox <laughs> and Nicole. You better than me. I just be like the white girl, but go ahead. Yeah, uh, really be, I'm about to go get started on you and your names. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm about to even go to do that to you. Because <laughs> you can beat people whole new names. <laughs> I, I do. I'm so terrible. And I'll be writing the names down and still fucking them up. Anyway, go ahead. So you see Jukebox and Nicole, they're at the ball. And, you know, it's clear that they both enjoy uh, 
line with each other and whatever. And they run up on this like little uh in the mall studio. And again, this just takes me right back to the nineties. We yes. had these little I, I used to think they were like little karaoke spots, but they Thank were really you. like little uh mini studios where you can go in and record a music video with your friends and stuff like that. They were really, really popular in the nineties. Yeah. Uh, yeah. where you could go in and it, it's kind of very similar to karaoke because the lyrics to the song that you would sing would come up on like the little monitor and then you would have someone there with a video camera that would be uh recording you and you were making your own music video and and so uh uh Nicole, she goes in, she pays for it, and she wants, she encourages Jukebox to sing a song. And she, Jukebox really didn't want to do it. She seemed a little bit nervous, uncomfortable mm-hmm. with it, you know, like, I don't really want to do this. And they pick two occasions by the deal. I'm like, okay, good song. <laughs> nice song. <laughs> well, I was, sitting there, was, I was sitting there like, that's my jam. Yeah, that's my jam. Right. <laughs> 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 And it was very interesting to see that Nicole knew the words to it. I'm like, okay. What? Right. She started singing. I'm like, oh, okay. Let's do yeah, it. Jukebox, you know, she was kind of nervous and she didn't really, she wasn't really hitting the song. She wasn't really doing the song justice. So, you know, Nicole started singing her, um, the song. You know, she was kind of uh, taking care of business. I'm like, hey, no, she, she was laying the track down. Yeah, she was. She was laying it down. I was like, okay. <laughs> So then we switch back to uh, Detective Howard. He's getting back in the car. And why he do this lady like this, y'all? Everywhere they go, she got to stay in the car all the time. Like, she's a fool for sitting there. But, you know, <laughs> she pretty much tells him, like, look, yo, I'm tired of sitting in the car waiting on you. But he gets back in the car and he plays it off like he had a good doctor's visit or whatever, but really didn't. Um, and, you know, she was like, yo, I want to get out here in these streets and, and start doing some work and um, investigating mm-hmm. and, you know, try to solve these crimes. You know, I'm tired of all this bullshit. You say you the man or whatever, but, you know, we cannot ask shoot out every day. We're not getting no further with these cases. Like, what's up? And, you know, he finally looked to her and say, like, yo, you just not cut out for this. You like, everybody know that you green. Uh, the streets know that you green. The the department knows that you green. I know that you green. You know yourself that you green. Like, you should have been a nurse. Like, you shouldn't even be here, like, you know. So he's really trying to discourage her from, you know, wanting to go forward with this. Why is that, B? What do you think he's doing that? Um, I think he's used to working by himself, and I feel like they probably forced I don't that want partner, a partner on him. Right. Yeah, I think I think he doesn't want a, part- a partner. I don't think he wants people... Because, again, we know he doesn't do detective work a traditional way. And we know that he plays games and he, he calls outside the lines. Yeah. And I don't think he wants, especially somebody like her who, you know, he know that she come from might a, say, you know, might say something. Right. She come from a yeah. law enforcement. Yeah, family. she come from a law so, enforcement. So run it by so. the books. You know, or be like, right, either run it by the books or be like, ah, I think, you know, he was a just mention it, you know, in the and maybe the department, like, hey, I we went on such such. I think he was out of line for this. Now he's being investigated by Eternal Affairs or whatever the right. case may be. I and agree. I think part of it is, I think part of it too is some tough love because if you remember at the, in that first scene at the beginning of the episode, they were straight disrespecting her. Like they was laughing at her. She's a police the, officer. Like the, the corner boys. Yeah, yeah, the corner boys. Right. They, they're straight clowning her. And so I think some of it might be a little bit of tough love to get her to toughen up because he was like, you're a joke. They think you're a joke in these streets. And so I, I'm, you know, I think some and of it is, is a little bit of hazing. New York. You are yeah, I think there's some hazing York, right. to it, too. 
that's why I take it as. I take it as he's just hazing her. But then part of me kind of feels like he probably does want to run her off because he is accustomed to being by himself. He don't want no body book rookie uh, that's trying to make a name for themselves to, you know, be questioning his movements yeah. or how he does things. So I think it's a combination of all that, you know. Because he said, you shouldn't be in this car with me. Like, you shouldn't be here. And, oh, yeah. he, and, and she's discouraged by that because she wants to be accepted. She wants her partner to accept her. She wants him to actually train her. But in reality, right. he just wants to be rid of her, you know. Yeah, yeah. The Alonzo Harris of power. <laughs> right. Go back and get a desk job, rookie. <laughs> That's what he wants her to have. A desk job. She'd be working dispatch or something or chasing uh, chasing bad checks. <laughs> <laughs> you wrote for that right. talking about chasing bad checks. So, you know, uh Jukebox and uh, Nicole back at the uh, mall and they're singing their song and you know they're doing their thing, you know, they're having a good time or whatever. And um, you know, I I really don't know what the uh, I really don't know what to say about this whole relationship between the two of them. And it's not because, uh, you know, I, I just basically what I feel like something's going to happen to Nicole. They're, they're building too much of this character up. We know it's not going to end with a happy ever after story between them. I think that once Marvin finds out about it, Marvin's going to probably do something to that little girl. Um, or maybe you think Rock, you think Rock going to find out? I think Rock is eventually going to find out, but I don't think that she's going to be uh, upset about it. You know, she seems to be very accepting, and I'll talk about that a little bit uh, later on when we get to that point. I think that it's her daddy is going to be more so upset about it when Marvin find out about this little girl because she even made a comment about, yo, I want to go to where you live. And Jukebox is like, why do you want to go to where I live? It's a regular place, you know, it's no big deal. She's like, well, this girl is fully vested into Laverne. She wants to see where she's come from. She wants to he be a part of her life. He did, didn't he? <laughs> That's called the Laverne, Laverne, boy. Right. Called the Laverne. <laughs> Laverne, and she certainly. Uh, <laughs> but uh, for real, though, she's just she's so vested into Jukebox's life, and she wants to see and feel and experience everything. And she's like, mm, you can lean a little bit over your head. You're know, like, look, we hanging out. We having a good time together. Just let that be that. You know, but and, and Jukebox is not going to be comfortable bringing this white girl around her family, even if she wasn't gay. That was gonna right. uh, that was gonna raise a whole bunch of questions like who's this little girl? Why are you hanging out with her or whatever, whatever? Especially when they see that she's from a background with money, she ain't in no part of the life. So you know what? Are, what is your connection with this white girl? Why? How, how are right. y'all connected? Right, she ain't from the south side. How you know her? Right. And yeah, I she, agree. There's a reason why they're building this up. It's more than just letting us know that Jukebox has you know been is dating women. It's it's more to it. Is it? <laughs> There's a reason why they're building this up. I agree. They're giving us. It's, it's. I agree. I think that something's going to happen to that girl, and that's what we're, we're starting to see bits and pieces of jukebox character where she becomes in power. But I think the juke, the jukebox that we meet in power is going to be is 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 going to be a catalyst that creates this cold hearted, you know, person. And I think it's going to be losing this this girl. I think that something's going to happen to her. Yeah, and part of her day, I think it's going to be something with her daddy. Too. I think it's going to have everything to do with Marvin. I think, I think all of it, Marvin's going to be totally one hundred percent responsible for what happens to this little girl. 
First so off, why this man name got to be Marvin, bro? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, 50. Come on, Marvin, bro. Come on, man. Come on. So speaking man, of Marvin, <laughs> so speaking of Marvin, we switched to the scene. He's back at the club again. And he's gotten um out of jail. He shows up at the club uh to see Tony. Uh, and he, I, what, what, what kind of dog was this? He had was it a that was a rat. I thought that was a rat. I thought it was yeah. I said a Rottweiler too. I think that was a rat. This big ass dog, like she had like a a, a Pomeranian. Right, she had a, a Pomeranian. Yeah, she, yeah, she had a Pomeranian. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how do you replace that with a Rottweiler? <laughs> it's like, good idea, Marvin. Great intentions, but God executed so wrong. It's big ass dog. But, What's she gonna do with but this again, it's in, it's indicative of who his character is. Just like just see what he sees. Just, he sees just he can't sees get the right. colors in his own version of what the colors are. Yeah, just yep. can't get right. Like <laughs> <he> just. <laughs> but clearly, at this point, he's he's kind of romancing her. At this point, he's he's subtly romancing her. Like you know, he's trying to appeal to her. He's trying to get in her head, and he's doing a great he's doing a great job of manipulating her. Because I feel like he he doesn't have a genuine interest in her. He's manipulating her because she's in a position of power. Ultimately, I feel like Marvin wants control of this club. I, I really do think that Marvin wants this club. He wants to own this club. This he wants this to be Marvin's spot. So, I, and I feel like he's targeting this girl to try to finesse her and get control of this club some way, shape, form, or fashion. And she's identifying it as, "Oh, you really like me?" I'm like, "You so stupid. You being played." <laughs> like. <laughs> Am I the only one that feels like he's finessing her, or do you think that it's a genuine attraction to her? No, I think I he think you finessing. I think he has a motive, but I don't know. I and it's gonna come down to who's gonna be right, but I see it a little bit differently. But right. I definitely feel like lay it out on me then. Her. What you see? Okay, so I'm kind of going ahead a little bit. I think Marvin is having some money problems, and I think that everything we get ready to see in the next couple of episodes are going to be motivated by his need to make some money. And so I think he's trying to create a relationship with her outside of Lulu and Rox so that he can maybe, you know, do something with her on the side. Like, not go through them. But she's not going to know that she's not going through them. You know what I'm saying? Because they all connected. That's right. going to get... That's a stretch. That's, that's just based on when we get to that part, it's just based on what, what's coming up next. I see but, where you're going with that, and not so far-fetched. Because I do feel like he has a hidden agenda. Now, whether it's for his personal um, game, or is it for the family's game, that's where we're up in the air at. So, I mean, I totally agree with that that whole theory right there, because he's obviously finessing her for something, but to whose benefit is it? And um, right. judging on how his character has been introduced to us thus far, it's probably most likely in his best interest than the family. So I, I would have to agree with that. But right. in this moment, she gives him some fellatio. So she oh, gives yeah, him head. Definitely. Yeah, she does that. <laughs> she does. Boy, I ain't heard that word in a, a while. Well, I'm trying to be politically correct on the podcast. I mean, you know. <laughs> I, do you try to hey, be politically correct? Really? Some of our fans, fans might not know what. <laughs> some of our fans. She topped them off, man. You know, some of our fans <laughs> might not know, they know what the ratio is. Some of them might not know. Right. <laughs> and it's not an urban dictionary. Sorry. 
<laughs> Sometimes Anyways. I try to act like I got some sense. So yeah. next, you always acting <laughs> like you got some sense. Most times, most ninety nine point nine percent of the mm. times. Uh, really, B don't seem to agree with that. Uh, I didn't say out. nothing. I, her, I said mm. her oohs and ahs, but we not going to go there. <laughs> uh, so we switched to the stash house. We at the stash house now, and um, Scrappy and um, Canis and they're playing video games, and you can just see the look all over Canis' face. Like I am so fucking tired of coming here playing these fucking video games with him. Like I want to get out in the streets. I want some work. I need something to do. This this shit boring. And so, you know, Scrappy is kind of running through the events of the day where how he got away from the uh, roundup and, you know, how he didn't mess his sneakers up and everything. So, you know, he's just kind of celebrating the fact that, you know, he can still outrun the cops. So, you know, it's sport for him. Um, (laughs) That was funny. So, like, I'm bored. I'm ready to go. And um, so what we see here is he don't call the the, Davina, not Diana, but Davina. He called up Davina and told Davina where he was going to be at. And so um, I guess that was his pager going off. I wasn't really clear as to who was paging him. But either right. way, she's walking down the street with this baby in the stroller again. And I just I hate the storyline what they're doing with her. She's this damsel in distress. But I think what they're trying to set it up to us, the message that they're trying to send us was that Buck 20 took care of her and her family. Mm-hmm. And being that oh, okay. he's gone now, she don't got that. Support. They kind of yeah, struggle. She, yeah, she in the struggle. She in the struggle, right? So he goes outside and they have a conversation. And uh, you know, again, she's like, yo, she's begging him at this point to be honest with her, and she's giving him so many opportunities to come clean. And you know, she's like, I know that D Wiz was your friend, and you know what happened to him. There, the streets were saying that what happened to him was retribution because he shot a uh, buck twenty, whatever. He was like, yeah, I kind of heard something about that, but they got the wrong guy. And I'm like, you kind of, you know, you're kind of confessing to what you're trying not to confess to. Like, you're alluding to the fact that it was you and not him. Right. And so, you know, they make conversation about that whole situation. And, you know, she's still looking at him with a little bit of reluctance. And she even asked him, she's like, what are you doing here? She's like, this is like a crack house. He's like, oh, right. this is my little hangout spot. You know, I yeah, come, come out of their little clubhouse. Like, yeah, she's looking at him like she don't believe none of that shit. He just spit, spit at her. Right. Yeah. He, she really don't look like she believe in him. And so yeah, he notices that she has a drill in a stroller with the baby. And he's like, yo, what you get ready to do with that? And she's like, I got to go sell this. You know, I'm selling some of my father's tools because we need money. You know, uh, Pampers ain't cheap or whatever. And you see right. it on his face right then and there that you know he is now going to be inspired to make money to give to this girl. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's what took me to that moment that I feel like Buck 20 was supporting her and probably even supporting her mama's addiction. You know, he told her, What are you going to do? Build a house <laughs> with that drill. He did ask her that, did he? <laughs> I was like, damn, like, really? <laughs> well, I guess it was just an odd thing to see her walking with, with, with a baby in a stroller. Right, with a baby in a whole power drill. drill. Right, right. <laughs> he was so, like, what are you going to do? Build, make a, build a house? Right. Yep. But uh, basically, what we learned in that moment is Kana is now going to be inspired to. Um, want to sell drugs and get money to help support her and her little sister. And he's probably going to end up feeding her mama's addiction too because I feel like Buck probably did 
as well. You know, yep. that's what I, I agree addiction. with that. And probably, probably yeah. took care of the family, you know, since they were together. So it kind of goes back to what she was saying last episode about, uh, you know, Buck was good to me, you know, because he actually took care of me and my family. Mm-hmm. Is basically yeah. what she was saying. Yeah. <laughs> but we also him. saw that Scrappy told him, like, yo, look, you don't need to be bringing people that ain't a part of the family, ain't a part of the right. business to the uh to the uh stash house like what the right fuck are you and nobody's supposed to know right nobody's even supposed to be living in that house like what is wrong with you they already worried about the power company finding out that they're siphoning power to that house <laughs> right. and this dude and this dude the tell walked out like hey yo check this out crumpets. i mean what the hell what are you doing but like, again it goes back to what i was saying like they're just playing peanut as being so green like do you not un- have any concept but he is. understand at all. He is. He absolutely is. At no, I this get point, it, but it's, just, it's crazy to me. But I think that's what they want us to see in his character, that, you know, what he became wasn't what he started out at. Because it seems like uh, Jukebox is more seasoned in the life than he is. So now I think that's my point. That, I think a part Go of ahead. that is because Jukebox is kind of been left to fend for herself. And so she's seen and picked up on things and, and have had to hustle for herself. Whereas yeah, Kane has okay. kind of been like a uh, silver spoon fed a little bit. So he's just now getting introduced to is exactly what we saw with Tariq. Is exactly what we saw with Tariq. His to him, even though she openly did what she did in front of him, at the same time, he wasn't a part of that. And she didn't expect for him to be part of that. That's why she was trying to get him to go off to go to that school because she wanted to get him away from that as he got older. So, I just, I, I think that a lot of what we're going to see are going to be the consequences of his action. I mean, everything that's happening right now is directly his fault. But, you know, he had good intentions, but they just, they went terribly wrong. And I think that's what's going to happen with Davina good intentions that have gone terribly wrong like you're the reason for my grief and you sitting up in my face you know trying to get with me and trying to be with me when you're the reason why I'm in pain that's not going to end well it's not going to be a happy ever after situation with them right so we see Laverne and Nicole walking home from the mall or whatever and um, she gets a page and it's the crew that's calling for her to come on they gotta go pull a lick so we finally solved the mystery that we were trying to figure out last week. You know, were they selling fake shit? Were they, was she selling her own shit? Or was she boosting shit? So it was very surprising. You, that was, you called it. You said she was a booster. Yep. Or getting it from a booster. Or getting it from a booster. But we found out that that whole crew was a booster. Like, they, 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 they were mm-hmm. like a gang, so to speak. You know, and yeah. she's a part of that gang. And because she even said that, you know, when they call, I got to go. It doesn't matter. I, I have to go whether I want to be a part of it or not. So we see that her and the dude that was selling the stuff, the coats and uh, jackets, you know, they're on one side of the uh, parking um, garage. And then the other crew is on the other side of the parking garage. And, you know, they all got these bandanas wrapped around their face or whatever the case may be. And it's a truckload of, of Ralph Lauren. I mean, a whole truckload boxes yeah. and racks. And they run up with the trash bags and they looting and they grabbing everything they can. And um and they pretty much everybody get away except for uh Rip. Rip, I guess, was the leader of the gang or the uh, person who called the lick or set the lick up or whatever the case may be. Security guard came and caught him. 
you know, and he kind of punched the dude in the face or whatever, and he just started beating the shit out of the old dude. And, you know, <laughs> right? He was really... like, "That's enough." Like, yo, that's enough. Right? Yeah, he, he had the best of them, and, and I mean, like, he had the best of them when he punched him. Like when he came right. off the truck, that he punched was enough the right guy and it was like, "All right, well, get away." Right. This is, he came back and kicked him. Then he right. just, he just went on full he just went on full wolf mode like. <laughs> <laughs> Let me exactly. go ahead and take care of this now. <laughs> right. You were like, dang, you ain't had to do all that. Like, like you said, if the point is to get away, get away. Like, the fuck? Yeah, the point was to get a diversion to get away. Not sit him beat the man to the ground. That's what he did. But did you hear yeah, a comment that he that, made? Because he was like, uh, get off me, you faggot. That's why you was um, that's why y'all not made for this uh life. So uh, again, I, I, there's two ways I perceive that. Either it's because she's gay. That he doesn't feel like she's made for this life, or either because she's a woman and she doesn't. Either way, it was it was a derogatory. Oh, I didn't comment. realize he had called her that. Yeah, I knew he said that's why you're not made for this life, but I thought he was talking about her being a woman. I didn't hear that. I missed that. Damn. Okay. Yeah he he said he yeah. said something to the effect of being a faggot. At yeah, first, said, I thought he was talking me, about faggot. the dude that he was beating. Oh on, wow. It wasn't until I realized that it was jukebox that was running up to try to pull him off the dude, and you know he buck up at her, he swole up at her like he was getting ready to hit her. And mm-hmm. she dropped that box cutter. She was like, "Yo, what's up? You don't know where right. I'm from." She pulled right. that. She, she pulled that. that you not from? She said, "Oh, you not from where I'm from?" She pulled that box cutter. I was, go man. That was about Listen, to be a she whole nother problem. Some shit up. Yeah, she was finna fuck his face up. They got that box cutter. Like, yeah. But what I, I noticed just, with that scene was the security guard saw her face. Yeah, because uh, I think old buddy still had his mask on. Everybody else had their mask on. Let me see. Uh, yeah, he still yeah. had his mask on. She did. And she and I don't did. know if right. her mask slipped off or she pulled it down, but dude right. did look dead in her face. Yeah, before he looked she dead ran in her off. face. Yeah, she did. So you think that's, so basically you're saying you think that's going to come back? Yeah, that it might, might come back to bite in her ass. It might. I hope it don't. Just off the strength like, shit, Buddy probably could have very well killed Joe ass out here. But shit, <laughs> who like, knows? If I'm the security guard, I ain't gonna say nothing because, like you said, he saved your life. But you just don't know. You know what I'm saying? You don't know what other well, people. Well, saving my life enough for me not to report this crime. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like if it's me, I don't remember nothing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't, I don't remember nothing. This, this dude beat me know? down to the ground. I got a concussion. I I, I don't right. remember nothing. Right. You know. All I know is I seen a group of people on the back of the truck and I was trying to go stop them and I got assaulted. So that's what. Yeah. Listen, I would be playing the victim role. I don't. I ain't seen. That's, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Because even if they got it on camera, they're gonna be like, "Well, you look dead at her family." Like, but I, I got a concussion. Like, I don't remember. My I, face I is bloody. My eye. Yeah, was, like I don't my eye was swollen. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> yeah, I, don't yeah. I don't know nothing. Yeah. I don't know but nothing. Listen, Where you at? Kicked me in my face. That's the last thing I remember. When I got kicked in the head, yeah. uh, that's that's all I remember, sir. Well, how do you remember that? <laughs> Right, because let me tell you something. Back then, I don't know if they still do it like that now, but I know back then that that scenario is is legit. Because I had friends that worked at UPS, and they would get shipments of just Ralph Lauren. It would just be like like that, just like going to a department just, store. Yeah, yeah, just truckloads of it. So yeah, that that was you know, and like you said, you needed somebody needed to know, like the boxes coming in. Somebody had to be your inside man. To mm-hmm. know what box was what, what truck was what, you know what I mean? So yeah, that yeah, that definitely, uh, yeah. <laughs> but he, they said it. Yeah, y'all ain't about that low life. 
and that low life means that polo life. So they they obviously going around town hitting licks and stealing polo. I mean, it, it speaks to why they are all draped from head to toe, from hat to right, shoes, all the down, way down in polo. The, yeah, yeah. It's all polo, all polo. So they bought that low life. <laughs> right. Uh, so, Crystal, we bought that little life too. <laughs> we bought that little life too. T- <laughs> we ain't stealing it though. <laughs> we buy ours. I about to say, I ain't stealing it though. <laughs> we ain't stealing it. <laughs> <laughs> Not I said the cat. Not I. Uh, no, really I be like, this. really be like low life. Oh, uh, hell no. Not me. <laughs> yeah, I bought that low life. talking about. Yeah, you are, but I don't, I don't even hardly wear it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Sure. Y'all gonna make me get into that shit. Sure you don't. <laughs> sure you don't really be TV. Let's go look at the last five YouTube videos, and oh. I guarantee you have a polo shirt on. I don't know. So anyway, we get to uh, uh, Raquel. She's meeting with uh, uh, Dean's worker at the church, and she got an envelope full of money. I mean, like she got this big stack of money that she's offering him, and um, she's like, "Well, here's the rest of your nest egg," you know. And he's like, what, what what I gotta do for it? And she's right. like, just give me uh unique's uh re up. Yeah. And you kind of see the hesitation in his face, but ultimately he gives her the information, you know. I yeah. mean, someone coming with me that kind of bread, yo, get this money. Um, and she he got that money. But what I wasn't really sure with was what she's gonna do with the information. And then of course we immediately see uh after the whole situation with jukebox and them at the uh garage. She's down. I guess she's down at the beach. Yeah, the docks or whatever. I yeah. said the same thing. I was, I, I, I was the exact same way. I was like, now what's she gonna do with it? Like, is she gonna rob? I thought the at first like, I wasn't sure the, what um, she was gonna do. Yeah, yeah. I thought they was gonna rob the re up and just steal the drugs. Yeah, that's know? what I thought they were gonna do. But we see her uh, meet with um, Howard. And, you know, they kind of have some banter back and forth between each other. And she's like, she's identified the fact that, you know, he's team um, unique. And she's like, how uh, unique dick tastes. Like, you know, his dick so far down your throat. You know, you can't talk to me or whatever. Because <laughs> I got some facts. I got some information for you. And she pretty much gives up the location of where the re-up is going to be. He was like, why are you giving this to me? And um, she was like, you police. I'm a citizen. I'm reporting crime. Do your fucking job. Right. So that's right. funny to me. But really, what we saw in that moment was that uh, she wanted the same outcome that happened to Unique that what had happened to her earlier. That, yo, all his corners, uh, basically, she just got her re-up. And so if she blocks his re-up from um, getting delivered, now she can go sell on the corners to make up for when her shit got hit. So it's basically yeah. eliminate my competition. Let me get rid of the competition. And the fact that he actually took that and rated it, it was, uh, it was very surprising to me because, you know, he's all team unique. I expected him to go back to unique with that information, but he did. But that was that was actually, but, well, yes and no, because that was actually a smart move. Yeah, he could have went back to unique and then what, what certainly would have happened would have been the streets would have been running with blood. Like that would have been all out war at that point. And you remember the conversation he had with his boss. So he was sort of in a catch in a catch situation of okay. And then Raquel the boss said would we absolutely, need drugs on the table, right? Right. And Raquel would absolutely then know. Okay, now I know. I, I suspected it before, but now I know for a fact. Well, it kind of goes know. back to what the uh, captain was telling him earlier. Look, we need we need something for the press. Right. We need That's something. What I'm saying. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
we need something for the press. We need some drugs on the table. And here's this big re-up. You got the drugs on the table. So y'all can paint whatever narrative y'all want to with how y'all confiscated all these drugs. You can see we have multiple suspects in custody. You know how police, when they, they, they get a whole bunch of drugs, you know, they're going to have a big press yeah. conference with oh, yeah, drugs put the drugs and money on the table and, and, and all guns that. Yeah. on the table. Say so we've arrested yeah. all these gangbangers or whatever. So yep. you're painting the illusion that the streets are safer now. But really, that's not the case. You know, it's not part of the case, but not the case because this is actually going to make things worse than better. Um, and we're going to see that happen later on. And so, um, we then see um, Lulu and Jessica. So, obviously, they're spending some time together. They are spending some time together. They, uh, yeah, they're kind of dating, they're kind of dating and they're um, hanging out. And so, the ice cream man, Lulu, <laughs> shows up at the <laughs> studio. <laughs> He shows up at the studio to deliver uh, um, so a package. And so uh, we see, we learn in that moment right there that he knows his way around um, the studio. So mm-hmm. it was very interesting to see that uh, when he started talking to one of the engineers at the uh, studio, you know, how much he knew about... Uh, studio life you know like with the equipment and the sounds and the instruments and things like that mm-hmm. and the guy who runs the uh, studio his name is crown crown comancio and mm-hmm. so uh, jessica starts talking to crown you know about uh her brother famous you know uh she pretty much trying to put her brother on you know try to get right. uh, crown to produce him and you know lulu is kind of like taking a moment kind of like a flashback you know, it's almost like you see in this moment with him that, you know, damn, I wish this could be me, you know, because he seemed to be very infatuated, you know, with the um, the equipment. And, you know, it was just you could tell that he had a background with music. He later yes. on comments to the fact that, you know, when the engineer asked him, how do you know about all this? He's like, you know more about this shit than uh, Crown do. And this is shit. <laughs> Right, and uh, he was like, "Oh, I read some magazines or whatever." And I think he even speaks to the fact that his father used to uh, bring him to the studio. His father used to dibble and dabble in music. What are we seeing here? Because obviously, this family has a musical background, but it didn't go anywhere. So, is this why Marvin is resentful towards a jukebox because she's taking an interest in music because his father had an interest in music? Possibly. Yeah, that's exactly what I made. That's the, the the exact connection that I made was, okay, this might be where why Marvin where he's coming from with him being so adamant that she not because like I'm like your daughter clearly can sing like why are you so against it? But now I'm like oh well maybe he grew up you know Lulu saw it from one point of view Marvin saw it from the other but Marvin was older Lulu was the baby so he sort of he probably has romanticized. Oh my dad vision was, of it, you know, right? Yeah, you know, I was I used to go to the studio with my dad and this, this, and this, and way Marvin can see that this is probably the end of my family, or this is what broke up my family, right? Or my dad, you know, my dad didn't take care of us like he should have or could have because he was so stuck on this fantasy of being, you know, a musician, and it never panned out. And so we grew up poor. We grew up, you know, Scratchy. the way we grew up because yeah. my dad was living this fantasy. So. You know, they they came from the same family, but they have a different perspective on it. Maybe in Marvin's, you know, crazy mind, he doesn't want to see Jukebox get caught up in that fantasy that he knows ain't really going to pay no bills. 
And I think uh, Lulu is uh, kind of similar viewpoint. I think he's he's more so, you know, he, he still has the interest and the love for it, but can't show it. You see what I'm saying? Can't show it in front of the family. Can't show it in front of his brother. Can't show that I actually like music, too. I actually have an interest in this, too. I actually want to see my niece do uh, well with the music thing. He's got to hide his true feelings about the whole music thing because you could just see it all in that moment that he was he was kind of like, you know, he was he was kind of like wishing that things would have been different for him. You know, that he could have been running his own studio. He could have been a part of the music game, but he knows that, you know, that's a taboo subject. You know, we can't can't be part of that life. So I agree. I mm-hmm. think there's more. I, I think they've given us a bit of a nugget here, a little Easter egg that's going to unfold about why Marvin is so against his daughter um, having anything to do with singing and being in the music industry. Um, and kind of very true to the game of that era. Let's talk about that era for just a moment. You know, in the 90s, you know, music industry was very cutthroat. Um, still is, but, you know, you know, a lot of issues and a lot of things were unfolding in the music industry um, around that era. So, you know, uh, could be something that, like you're saying that, you know, the father probably, you know, got shitted on in the music industry and didn't go anywhere, you know. And the rest of the family suffered from that as a result. So, you know, Marvin mm. now has a resentment towards it versus uh, uh, affinity towards it, like the rest of the family. Yep, that's how I, that's what I that's what I pulled. Sounds from, about yeah. right. So, yeah. speaking of Marvin, back to Marvin again. We see him at home, and he he just tearing down jukebox room. I mean, he all up under the mattress. He looking up under the bed. He all in the girl closet. He in the nightstand. What the fuck was he? What did he steal? I have no idea. Money. What did he steal? That's the that's the only thing I could come up with. When you said money, I was like, okay, and that's where I get my Marvin is having some money problems mindset from because I don't know what else he could be looking through her room for. I, I have no or idea what, what could she could be have that could be of value to him. Yeah, because oh, yeah. it didn't look it didn't look like no gun or nothing. It was something easily he can slip into his pocket. Right. Because he slipped it into his pocket real quick and real easy. It was in her nightstand, whatever it was. It was in her nightstand. And I feel like he, he told uh Kanan when Kanan showed up, and um I'm gonna see if anyone else picked up on this vibe. Um so when Kanan showed up, he was like, Well, why are you going through jukebox room? <laughs> He's like, oh, I'm right. for my belt. Jukebox always taking my stuff. And then he's like, why are you in my house? <laughs> he was like, right. And I was like, again, that, that just took me back to the disrespect. Like, how you gonna walk up in that man's house and question what the fuck he doing? Like, that's his daughter. That's his daughter's room. If you want to go through her shit, he can go through her shit. That ain't your business. But uh, to me, I felt like he should have been a little bit more welcoming of his nephew. You know? But if his I, nephew wasn't questioning, didn't walk in the door questioning him. I guess when you show up unannounced and you let yourself into my house, nephew or no yeah. nephew, there, there's a problem with that. Because <laughs> he, he, he didn't know he had a key. He was like, how you get in my damn house? Yeah, because he, he even said, he said, I know I don't leave my door unlocked. So he was like, how the right. hell you get in here? He was like, oh, me and Juke swap keys from time to time. So, uh, you know, that's a place where he's uh, he's comfortable with hanging out at. And uh, when Jukebox is not around, and I guess Jukebox likes to hang out at his house when he's not around. I don't know what the right. whole purpose of that is. He hit him with whatever. the uh, 
he hit Marvin with the Charlie Murphy keys, please. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because Mar- I was just like, what's Marvin, like, can I get like, the keys? He was like, right. he was like, can I get them keys? <laughs> and then keys, he acted like he please. wasn't gonna give him like the keys. Yeah, he wasn't gonna give them to him at first. Yeah, he was mad about having to give them to him. He was like, this ain't no tree house. Like, you can't be coming up through my spot like this. And then, you know, then somehow, someway, they form an alliance. And uh, basically, he's asking Marvin to help him and give him some work. Because he want to make right. his own money. And so, uh, you know, Marvin, you know, give him some work. And tell him, like, look, you can't step on it too much because it's already been stepped on. So, you know, this is mm-hmm. what you need to charge for. Blah, 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 blah. And so, you know, we see in that moment that Kanan is, is, wants to be a drug dealer. Like, you know, your mama, your uncles, everybody would give you anything you ask for. Like, but you rather go out here and sell drugs for it than to get it from your family. So, I, but again, we also see how green he is because he didn't even understand when, you know, when his, when his uncle had to explain it, he was like, I'm selling, not buying. He was like, no, you buying from me wholesale. You buying from me wholesale, right. Yeah, like, right. like he, it's like, what do you think people just give your mama drugs? Like, what is wrong? Like, I and just, technically, just, and technically, with that being said, when he said, no, I'm, he was like, I'm selling, not buying, he was basically on the damn coke. At that point, right. he was really yeah, giving he didn't have more money to buy it. Cause he ain't had no yeah, money up front, no money to buy it. So yeah, you fronting, right? So you got to pay me back what you owe me, and you got to buy re up from me when you ready to re up. So yeah, you're right. So at this point, he was getting front the drugs. He wasn't even buying them up front because that's what he was trying to tell your stupid ass. Right. And I'm that- like, you don't even have a basic con- like. I'm just. It, I mean, I understand what you're saying that that's the point that they're making is how green. Keenan was, but I just I'm like you are 15 years old and you are so pressed to get into this business that you have absolutely no concept of. Yeah, but I guess for him, uh, unlike Tariq, see Tariq's family tried to shield him from that, and that's what attracted him to it. The more they tried to keep it away from him, the more he became um uh um fantasize about it and the more he wanted to be a part of it whereas in Kanan's um, situation it's kind of inevitable I mean the whole family does it you know your mama's selling dope your uncles are selling dope your daddy sells dope so her baby daddy or uh, a high post you know her boyfriend was selling dope so I mean it's, it's been all around him it's like he said like if you didn't want me to be a part of this if you didn't want me to have anything to do with this then you should never have you this happening around you- you would have been sent me away, right? Right. So all this is inevitable. What we're seeing here is evolution, because eventually he was going to grow an interest in it because his whole family in the life, even his cousin that idol he idolizes in everything. She might not be selling drugs, but you know she out here pulling licks and stealing and and selling things too. So and you know the whole that, family is a criminal organization, right? So, you have to expect that he's going to want to be a part of that criminal organization when he see the rest of the family is doing it. It's the family business. That's facts. So, I mean, but yeah, he is very green, but uh, I think that a lot of his initial, like I said earlier, I think a lot of his initial training is going to come from um, Scrappy. I think he's going to pick bits and pieces up from him. He's going to pick bits and pieces up from Jukebox, uh, his mama. I don't think he's going to get much from his mama. Is uh, I think he's going to get a lot of it from Marvin, believe it or not. I think he's going to get a lot of uh, 
the information and training from Marvin. I don't think that Lulu's going to really take the time with him as much as Marvin is going to be because him and Marvin has kind of formed an alliance now. So, you know, if Marvin feels like he's going to help uh, uh, get him back like with his mama, then you know, Marvin's going to kind of work with him behind the scenes. Right, because even that conversation again goes back to what I'm thinking that Marvin having some money problems. Money problems. He was like, yeah. I need some more corners. You know, make sure you know talk to your mom about getting me some more corners. Like, I don't know. I just feel like I just feel I don't know. I, I and I don't know if he's like spending his money unwisely or if he's fucking up. I fucking think Marvin trying to like. I think Marvin trying to build his own damn empire. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, that could be. That's what I, I think Marvin is ready. To, re, Marvin is ready to do his own thing. He tired of living in his sister's shadow. He is the oldest. Like he kind of want to be out here, have his own network. And I think eliminating um, Unique would give him room to have his own network along with his sister. You know, kind of do his own thing in his own way. But it, he's kind of desperate to be reaching out to your 15 year old nephew for support in that but that's <laughs> that, that kind of speaks to right. a lot of right. he is for like damn <laughs> some you didn't even go to your daughter bro you went to your nephew like and you know your daughter out here in the streets yeah but uh, what we see in this episode too uh, is a lot of resentment towards um her daddy and we got to figure out where that's coming from because in the next thing you see Raquel in Kana's room she's putting away his laundry you know she's doing what a mom do she's cleaning up his room and putting away his clothes and then she sees the uh the obituary for uh Wiz and she sits down on Kana's bed and uh she looks at the obituary and you know she's kind of reflecting on that and I was like, gosh, she's finna say something. She's finna say something because Jukebox was standing there in the doorway looking at her. I thought she was either gonna say something or she was gonna ball that damn uh, obituary up. I thought it was gonna be one another. And so, you know, Jukebox uh, announces her presence. And I really like how she did that. You know, she's like, I wasn't trying to be nosy. I wasn't trying to spy or whatever. You know, I was giving you your moment. I was hoping that you looked up and saw me, but, you know, I'm standing here. But you right. notice the, the parallel difference between. I was going to say the exact same thing, yep. Did you notice the parallel difference with how she received her niece versus right. how Marvin received his nephew? Like, right. she was happy to see her. She was like, come on in, my house is your and house. She didn't, right, she didn't question how you got here, what you doing here, none of that. She didn't even <laughs> question the fact when even Jukebox was like, yo, can I leave my fence stuff over here? Because, you know, my daddy be going through my stuff, which we just saw, and he did. My daddy be going through my stuff, can I leave this over here? And she was like, yeah, sure, my house is your house. Come on right. in and sit she down. She question what it was, where it came yep. from. She was like, he's got a trash bag full of clothes. Okay, sure. <laughs> she, know that she, right, she know that shit was hot. Yeah, so hot. And then she was like, uh, you know, you used to live here. So apparently there has been contention between Marvin and Jukebox. Uh, you know, and I'm just, I can't wait for them to hear the story about her mom, you know. And I don't know if her mama was a crackhead or, you know, a chicken head or whatever. And Rock took her in because she is the only girl in the family and kind of looked after her for a little while since she got of age. But there's a relationship here. And this is the relationship I've been wanting to see because I, I would have expected her to be close to Jukebox and, you know, be that, that mother figure in her life since she didn't have one. Mm -hmm. And so they started talking about uh, that glow that both of them got, you know. Uh, oh, that love glow, dick and the uh, love glow, the love glow. <laughs> you know, you know that, yeah, that you know that glow, you know that yep. glow. 
And she recognized that instantly. She's like, yo, you seeing somebody. Mm-hmm. You got somebody. Mm-hmm. Like, you smiling from ear to ear. Like, what's up? And what uh, part of me wants to say she knows that she's she's a lesbian. That's what I think. Get out my head. Get out my head. Because I was going to ask y'all, do y'all think that she knows or do you think she just assumed that it was a boy so she didn't specify or that she, or do you think she knows right because she, said, she didn't she specify knows? yeah she didn't, she didn't specify she knows right yeah i think she i knows. think she know yeah and it's kind of going back to that she's hurt that mother figure in jukebox life so a mother always knows type deal I feel so like I, everybody knows except for Marvin. Like I feel like all of them know because we I know. I feel like Kanan the whole family knows. know. Yeah, I feel, I feel like, like everybody knows except for Marvin. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> well, Marvin numb as hell to what the fuck going on. So. But Marvin also don't spend no time with his child either. Right. So, you know. See again, why his name got to be Mark? <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Damn, bro. Uh, I don't know Marvin. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Man, his name was a Christopher. I'm going to say his name could just as easily have been Christopher. So no, I'm glad it's not. It was just the luck of the draw, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we see uh, uh, Lulu and Jessica. They walk in um, home from a restaurant or whatever. They don't have. Uh, they've been out on a date, and you know she pretty much check him like, "Yo, you've been quiet ever since we left the studio." You know, like, are you pressed because I was having a conversation with uh, Crown? about my brother, like, what's up? You know, I'm with you. You know, I ain't trying to be with nobody else or whatever. And I don't know what he was upset about. Was did he was he upset because he felt like she was flirting with Crown? Or was no, he I think he about- was uh, I think he was upset with the fact that, you know, he looking at all that studio shit and just like, man, Wishing it this could be me. This this could have been me. Yeah, I think that's what was bothering him. I don't think it was yeah, more so she even told him. her. I don't think it was more so her having the conversation with uh, a homie in the studio because, you know, when he was just like, man, you know, you want some of this? She didn't even indulge in the shit that Buddy was doing. You know, she didn't want no parts in that. She was more so concerned with her brother, but at the same time, she was surprised that he knew the shit, Lulu knew the shit that he knew with the studio. It was kind of attractive to her. It, it, right, it, it attracted her more to him to know that he's more than just a dope boy. And right, he, right, he right, 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 right. Like, you have so much potential. Him. Yeah, exactly. You have potential to be more than this. Just like you selling product on the street, music is a product. She was like investing yourself, and you could be doing the same thing that he doing. And you know, he kind of shot that shit down. Like, man, no, this is all I'm good at. You know, type deal. Right. Like, you know, he wasn't seeing. He wasn't seeing what she. Seen he wasn't him. seeing her right. She was. He wasn't seeing her vision. Yeah, basically. And he even yeah. asked her. He was like, "Well, how do you know so much about me? Like, like, how do you see that?" And she's like, "This is what I see when I see you." You know. So I really like that balance because, again, these are women that are kind of um, um, supporting their men and pushing them to mm-hmm. the forefront instead of like what Tasha should have did with ghosts. Instead of encouraging him to be in a criminal life and sell drugs and run damn, shit. that's right, These yeah, are, and that are actually uh, encouraging their men to chase their dream and yeah, not and that's chase yeah, I, yeah. criminal organization. So that's what I really like about the characterization because even with unique, um, not unique, but Raquel, even with Raquel, she's encouraging her son to go get an education. 
she's encouraging her son to want a better life instead of being out here in these streets. Um, right, because she told right. uh, Kanan at one point, you should be in um the the, the school that basically yeah, the he would have passed if he wouldn't if he wouldn't have threw yeah, the test. And he was about them grades because she said and he was like he was like man fuck that. Yep, she's like I got a progress report from school. She's like these grades keep dropping. They ain't gonna be good for you. Like right. she was serious about that. She was like no, you not finna go here and start failing out, fucking out of school. She's like I know you got some shit going on with you right now, but don't get it twisted. Your education still come first. So, right. Right. And even with and her even encouragement, with sympathy, uh, sympathy, yeah, yeah, exactly. These are women that are actually not uh, romanticized with the life. Yeah, they actually want to see these men do better for themselves, and so exactly. that's I kind of like that with Jessica and Lulu's relationship because you know she wants to see him be more than just uh, a drug kingpin. She's right. Like, exactly. I know what and, you uh, do, and what I, I also about. like. Exactly. That's you took the words right out of that. She what I like is that shows that's what he does and she's telling him, Listen, I know we I know who you are, but I'm telling you you can be more. Right, because she was like this. She was like she was like that could be prior time. Right. Right. Because she told him she was like, Hey, this could be part this could be part time and then you can go off and you know, you can do your thing. Yeah, use the drug money to be the stepping stone to get to where you're at. Yep. You know. Take this yep. and, and, and make something um for yourself. So I really like that. I really like that encouragement. And I, again, I think this is character build up. Something's gonna happen to this girl. Something's gonna happen to this girl, and we're gonna lose her. Um, I I just I can't figure out just what yet because I think something's gonna happen to her and famous, and I think it's gonna happen at the same time. Um, I don't know if the house will get shot up or something like that, but it's just me foreshadowing that the, the, none of these people that are important to them in their lives are going to walk away unscathed. Mm. So it's going to be interesting to see how that happens. So then we see Detective Howard and Bert back at the uh, station. They they dropping the dime on the captain that look we know we got a tip about a big drug reup tonight. You know we want to go raid this joint. You know. And the uh, captain's like, well, what's your, what's your source? You know, without your CI, I'm not going to call in downtown and have me and Bears uh, mm-hmm. come down here. Right. And again. So we'll just use our own people, but bring some home or whatever. So I kind of agree with you, Crystal. I think that he had no choice but to do that because he already know that, you know, the captain's putting a lot of pressure on them to bring something um, to the table. And he had no choice. So he had to get out here and um, tip this off. So then we see them out on the stakeout, you know. Um, and at first, I didn't. I thought something was gonna go down with that stakeout. Yeah, but, I thought that stakeout was gonna be all bad. But but you also saw Detective Howard. He know these streets. He run these streets because he radioed for them people. He's like, "Yo, turn the fucking car on, turn the air on. Y'all got the windows fogged up. Y'all gonna let somebody know y'all on the stakeout." Right, right. And that's how Buddy uh, recognized him five zero because the van, uh, the windows was fogged up on the van. So at first I thought that everybody was gonna get away and the drugs was you know they got away with the drugs and everything but I guess when and when they crashed when the police car crashed into them do you think that those guys were dead because the look on his face when he walked up was like oh shit another murder yep, yeah 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 because she, she said call the bus somebody somebody yeah. yeah yeah she said call the bus usually in New York when you say call the bus it's a wrap. 
you saw the look on his face when he walked up on the car. Yeah, somebody's dead. Yeah, because I mean that was I mean that was a high speed chase, and then uh, that cruiser crashed. T boned him. Yeah, yeah, T boned him. So I'm pretty sure somebody got fucked up on that. But yeah. the drugs. They got them drugs though. They got a trunk full of them. But is it me or did it seem like it was taking them a long time? Like, what were they waiting for? Like the the exchange had been made before dude even called five oh. Like I'm, yeah, trying, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what they were waiting for. And I'm just did anyone else recognize the fact that old buddy do the lyrics to Paul Paul I do so when they were sitting there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. He was he, in that jam, boy. boy. He said that's his girl though. He said Paul I do his girl. <laughs> you a <were> jam. <laughs> it was getting it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I agree. I think that that exchange, first of all, it it happened on the street. You know, not in the alley, not in a, a warehouse. Uh, to me, that was a bit of a little uh, unbelievable. But I guess back then, you know, they did drug deals like that on the street. But I, I, thought I, mean, I guess was they figured stupid. it was late at night. It was an abandoned street. Maybe they thought it. I don't know. I guess so. But when you saw other cars parked on the street, it just didn't seem like it was a good spot to do an exchange, a drug exchange. Right. <laughs> you know, they did that. They did that shit out in the middle of the street. Yeah, they did that shit in the middle of the street. That was like pulling up to Walmart and doing doing a drug straight, a drug straight <laughs> right from parking lot of Walmart. <laughs> Populated people are around. Like what you get? <laughs> but um, then we see a uh, famous and jukebox and Kane. They all at the park. You know, jukebox has gotten her uh her stash. She getting ready to go try to sell her stuff. Uh, Kanan has got uh, the coke. He's getting ready to go try to sell his drugs. He want and um, enlist famous for some help. You know to to sell the weight. And famous Again, is this green green. Famous is so disinterested in that he sees a group of guys over there. And I like how jukebox sized up the the crowd. She looked around that whole park and she had them sized up and identified. You know this is who you need to sell to. Don't fuck with none of these other folks over here. Go hit these white boys. They college kids. They got the money. You could sell right, your right, way right. to them double what you would sell on the street. But let me ask you this. Um, and Marvin, I don't know if you watched the whole season, but Chris, I know you did. Did did that not remind you of a scene from book two when Tyreek and his roommate and old girl yep. had teamed yes. up and they was yep. they had this it was like homecoming weekend and yep. they was trying to sell and you talking about what was, uh you talking about what Effie, Effie and um Yeah. And Tariq was like, well, roommate. You what know, was you his got roommate? The skater. Yeah, I forgot his roommate's name, but he was like, you got the skater kids and you got the this kids and you got the kids that's here with their parents for the weekend. And, you know, and remember he went through that whole, like they went around the whole campus of how much you could sell it to these people for, and who you could sell it to. And I was like, this scene is very reminiscent. Once yep. again, you see Kanan getting a game from Jukebox and clearly Kanan has, has passed that down to Tariq because Tariq went through the whole he went the same thing. He went around campus. You can do this and do this and do that. But, you know, once again, I'm just struck by how green Keenan is. But like, you also understand that Jukebox is probably a little for. bit older than him. So let's give or take. She's probably 16, 17, if not maybe 18. A little bit older than him, yeah. Yeah. And so one thing that she's picked up on, and, you know, I'm, I'm going to give credit where credit's due. Women are a little bit more perceptive on things than guys are. So mm. sometimes it takes a little longer for us to pick up on these little tidbits. Whereas Jukebox had been studying her family business and she even made a comment to her. She was like, you know, the only reason why I don't sell drugs is because I don't want to fuck with anything that Marvin fuck with. Right. But exactly. She, right. She, she know the lure. 
She know the lure. She know the lingo. She know the business. She know the hustle. And keep in mind, she hustling clothes, and it's the same idea ideology of hustling the clothes. Like, you know, I can sell this for what you can get it for in the store. However, you know, on demand sales are a little bit different. And then you got to know who you're appealing to. The audience that you're selling to, yeah, I can get way more money if I sell to this demographic mm-hmm. versus that demographic. But we saw there in that scene that Famous was more so interested in going to uh, hang out with the hip-hop boys and you know, mm-hmm. he kind of spit a verse with them or whatever the case may be. And, you know, Kanan said, you know, he ain't built for this shit. Uh, D-Wiz is more so built for this shit. And, you know, that was kind of a uh, I miss my friend moment right there. I wish my friend mm-hmm. moment. So, and then you see Jukebox kind of go off and do her thing. And one thing I like about that is she don't get into anything that Kanan's got going on. She don't get into any of his business, you know, and that's one thing I kind of like about it because initially when we first saw them together and Kanan was getting beat in the park or whatever, I thought they were going to be a ride or die team. You know, they're going to be a Bonnie and Clyde. They're going to be out here selling drugs and running the streets and hustling together. But Jukebox does her own thing. She she drops, she drops in and gives a little bit of advice, but, you know, she doesn't loom around. She doesn't hang around. She doesn't try to... Mm-hmm. Uh, manage Kanan. She don't try to run him. She don't you know, give him that advice an older sister or older cousin would give and she go about her business. She go do her thing and he go do his thing but, you know, he would need to really rely more on Jukebox for the advice than some of these other people they go through because Jukebox, she got the game she got the game clearly identified. You know, right. you know what to do. Whereas he don't know what to do and the moves that he's making are dumb moves, and I feel like because you know, even after she broke it down for him, he still shortchanged himself. He still shortchanged himself because he tried and it took the damn duty he's trying to serve. Said, "How about I just give you fifty dollars for two? And he kind of right. That's what she had told him initially to sell it for was for fifty dollars. Like you dumb motherfucker. Exactly. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> 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 so we got Tiffany and um, uh, Raquel. They getting it on again. Now they listen to Freddie Jackson. <laughs> Listen, listen. That's that, but that's that new relationship sex. You know, yeah. when you in a new relationship, that's y'all that first all day. Yeah, we're gonna do it three, yeah. four times like, a day. Yeah. Exactly. That's on that the floor, we just get we, on the yeah. kitchen table. Right. Anywhere. Yeah. And <laughs> exactly. she even made a comment to that. Like basically she telling him that, like, yo, you got me turned out. You got me down here on this floor. Like, you know, right. I'm having a good time <laughs> with you. And so finally, <laughs> they both asked the question of each other. They're like, yo, what is this? And for her, she was like, yo, this is a vacation for me. She's like, you know, you you giving me something I don't see. And um, I guess I'm assuming she means that this is something I don't see in the other niggas I've been dealing with. You mm-hmm. know, so this this is a pleasant surprise or this is a, a break from, you know, what I'm used to. And, you know, he was like, you know, they're, they're both having no strings attached sex. They're having fun with each other. They not they there's nothing else that's coming with this. You know, and they both kind of apologize to each other for getting involved about the whole mm-hmm. Kane situation. And you yeah. know, he's just basically trying to tell her that, you know, I think you're sexy. And he's like, I like the fact that you know you got a head on yourself, you handling your own business. But one thing I like about it is he hadn't got in her business. And then she even told him, like, look, you know, we can continue to have fun and do this, but just don't try to save me because I don't need to be saved, you know. Right. But I feel like that's ultimately is going to be the end of their relationship is because Raquel is so headstrong and she she she's always saying that I don't need to be saved. I got this. I got this. But 
I think she's getting way in over her head at this point. Uh, she don't got the muscle. She don't got the uh, the resources that she need to even move the drugs because even Lulu was like, yo, why don't we just use the bodega? She's like, it's not ready yet. So, you know, you're getting ready to start a war. You have no soldiers. You have no way to move all this product. And so you're kind of getting in over your head. But I feel like the things that have happened with Kanan has kind of escalated her to a point where she's getting in over her head because so much shit is happening now that she's going to have to rectify in order to sustain her business. So um, what do you think is going to happen with this relationship? I think he's going to end up being a casualty of war. That's me. I don't know. I'm be honest with you. Right now, I'm I'm not even sure. I'm really not. Like I do like the fact that she she accepts him for who he is. Like she's like, listen, I know you're a smart ass college dude, and I you know I really respect that. And then he understands who she is and respects her for who she is. Like, okay, I met you. You was a drug dealer. I knew you was a drug dealer. I'm not trying to like you say. I'm not trying to save you or whatever. So right now, I I don't know. I really don't have no predictions on that. I don't have no predictions on it. I don't want to say how it's going to end, too, but eventually, I know y'all probably going to get tired of hearing me say this, but I don't think he's going to make it out either. And the reason why I say that is, let's go back to the Power series. It took six series for us to get rid of a lot of the characters that we had, but eventually, all of them fell one by one, from Angela on down to Ghost, I mean, Proctor. I mean, a lot of the characters that were important to the story and to other characters we eventually see they become casualties of war. And so um, I think that's what's ultimately going to end up with him. Um, is I guess it depends on who's going to be the casualty because, you know, there's still a great debate on whether or not Raquel makes it out. I seem to think that she does make it out. Um, maybe she becomes a casualty of war and he's the one who's left heartbroken. You know, maybe it's that she doesn't lose him, he loses her. So, you know, that'd be a nice plot twist, you know. But uh, I don't see Raquel going anywhere. Okay, so I see Raquel being just like Ghost. I don't see Raquel going anywhere until this to the end. is done. Yeah, until the show is like, over. Like, she might, she might take some hits. Don't get me wrong. She's going to take some hits, but I don't see her dying. So I mean, you don't I, think that her character is loosely based off of 56 Mall? It is. They said that. It is. Okay. So you know what yeah. ends up happening to 56 Mall? Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. She gets murdered. Yeah. The reason why, okay, let me just set the tone for season two. She may not die in this season. She may die in season two. That's if she dies. If they kill this character, she's going to go pretty early. I don't think she's going to make it to the end. Because at some point, at some point, Breeze becomes the person in charge, the person in power. And Breeze is not his mom. So at some point, the mom is going to be a and as he continues to navigate this drug organization criminal world, he's got to find a new person to work for. And that's going to become Breeze. And that's when we're going to get introduced to Tommy and um, Ghost, Angela and Tasha and Keisha and all those characters. So if his mother doesn't make it, then I think she's going to be the casualty of war. Or what if Breeze is symphony? Ah, now that would be nice. Wow. I didn't think about okay, that. Okay, so last week you thought it was D. Wiz's brother that was getting ready to be. Uh, that's who I thought no, it was. I, that's no, who I, I think it is. Marvin. I didn't say that. Marvin that's who I think it is. I think okay. Breeze is D. Wiz's brother. Okay. 
Okay, I can run with those. I can run I mean, with those I said, ideas. I said I didn't think of it, and that that could be a po- a plausible thing. But I mean, I'm just saying. I I just feel like they're building this whole show around her, and I I understand what you're saying that at some point there has to be a transition of power. I get that, but I just don't think it happens this early. Okay. Know. Okay. But I see what you're saying. Now, I understand why you keep saying that. It's because at some point we know Breeze comes into play. At some point we know that. And the mother but I goes feel like out. Breeze is somebody that's I feel like, but I'm gonna be honest with you, and maybe again I could be wrong, but I think Breeze is somebody we already know. We just don't know them as Breeze. Okay. Sort of like Ooh. Ghost and his real name, whatever. I really I like those ideas. I really like those ideas. James? I don't want uh, to shoot them Definitely down. James. I just feel like because <laughs> the character is so important to the power series, and I feel like that character we we would have we have would have it been introduced to that character like we would have known who this character is by now um they haven't mentioned that person by name even by a nickname i just i don't think that unless this person turns into breeze now i i get where you're going with that now because symphony could turn into breeze okay right because breeze is a nickname symphony is his real name it's yeah, Breeze again, is it's like, it's like a nickname. Yeah, right. Yeah. And we don't know, we don't know D Wiz's brother's name, so it could still be. D- he but still I could be Breeze. Got it. Right. And the reason why I'm saying that, so now I'm getting into like a technical side of this. Like they, they, you, you know, you, you plan for one season, hoping for a second season. So now we know that there's a second season. So yeah, they could possibly change up how the first season ends based on the fact that they know they have a second season. But let's assume for a minute there was only going to be one season. At some point, we know that Breeze takes over, so we got to know who the hell Breeze is. I just think we don't know we know who he is. It's going to be interesting to see how that unfolds. I'm ready to see how that's going to unfold because part of me wants to think that the mom makes it out and she just goes off and starts a life anew. Uh you know, and she may very, maybe that's her and Symphonique. Maybe he does get her out, and maybe she does give the business over to whoever this breeze for. Maybe she voluntarily says, "I'm out. Here, take it." I think once she loses her brothers, uh, once she loses Marvin and Lulu, I think that's going to be the catalyst for her to get out. Kanan, like I said, the relationship between her and Kanan, we're already seeing it starting to break down. You know, they used to be so close, and she used to be all for it, but I think Kane is going to mm-hmm. turn completely dark to the streets. That's going to be a big turnoff to her. That's going to be a big heartbreak for her. I think that she's going to end up leaving. Uh, maybe her and Symphony goes off to D.C. or go off somewhere and start a life anew, and Kane right. stays back in New York and continues to uh, climb the drug organization and become this hot boy, whatever case may be. It's going to be interesting to see how all that unfolds. And that might be some foreshadowing with with her telling him, don't try to save me, I'm good. But it's ironic because in the end, maybe he does end up saving her. Yep, maybe he ends up saving her, yep. That's um, interesting. So then you see Kanan walking down the street with some girls. Knew that he wasn't bringing them yeah, groceries home. Yeah, I, I knew I too. knew exactly where he was doing going with them groceries. <laughs> he took them groceries right. over to Davina's house. And um, he felt sorry for her because she had to go sell them tools for uh, food and, uh, and stuff like that. So he took the groceries over there to her house and they shared a first kiss. And I'm like, Kenny, what are you doing, bro? You are getting in too deep. You are falling in love with a person that you have hurt. I hope he don't, uh, I hope he ain't uh, spend up Marvin's money. 
I hope he gave Marvin his money because Marvin don't play about his money. I'm gonna just tell you right there. Nephew or no nephew, here for I feel like don't play about his money. Marvin said he needs his money up front, so I hope he just spent twenty five dollars on them groceries and gave Marvin his twenty five. So <laughs> he, he owed Marvin a hundred. He owed Marvin a hundred. Yeah, he owed Marvin a hundred. That's why he owed Marvin a hundred dollars. I also hope he gave Marvin his hundred dollars and he kept a hundred. So there you go. He bought the groceries. Right. <laughs> Marvin want his butter. Ain't that right, Marvin? <laughs> you want your butter, ain't it? <laughs> yeah, I want my money, but shit, this Marvin tripping, bro. Why is that got to be Marvin again? Let's do a trip. Uh, so then we get to the scene that I, I just I dislike the most, and that is Kanan and his mama going over to D Wiz's mom house, and um, uh. To go offer their condolences, and that woman is just hey, tore up. Real quick, when she opened the door and she told them come in, I thought at that point we were going to see the big brother. I thought we were going to see him too. I, I thought we were going to see him too. And the fact that they haven't shown him yet and they mentioned him by name, you might be onto something with that, Crystal. You might be onto something like that. He's a character that we haven't met yet, but we're looking for. But we know he exists, yeah. But actually, that was again, that was Marvin. I can't take credit. That was Marvin. <laughs> I can't take credit. I because think that's the his brother, brother man, like is me, going to want me and Dame was talking about that. I, me and uh, Jack and Jordan, we were talking about that. I think, I think that Breeze is D Wiz's brother. I really do. Could very well be, and maybe it. And the it, fact it that they didn't well name be. him by name, they just referred to him as your older brother. And your right. older brother. Yep, that yeah. very well be it. That's and it would explain why well Kanan would flock to him. It would explain why Kanan would flock to him because Kanan And why he felt like he owed him. Yeah, Kanan is obviously feeling a loss right now. You can see that in this scene. So as the mother lets them in and they go sit down on their plastic furniture, listen, I didn't have plastic furniture in my house, but we did. We weren't allowed to sit in the living room. <laughs> we were not allowed to sit in the living room. The living room had nice furniture in it. The dead is <laughs> where you would sit your ass in. You would not go in that living room until mama had company over. <laughs> but my you grandmother did have a plastic cover on her, her furniture. My grandmother, and that just kind of took me back to my childhood visiting my grandmother. My grandmother did too. <laughs> she had the my plastic grandmother cover. Absolutely I used to be so embarrassed when my friends would come over covers. to my grandmother's house and she had that plastic cover on her furniture. I'm like, Grandma, please take this shit off. I'm like, no. She said, how you been messing my night stuff? I'm like, oh my mm, god. Mm, mm. But again, once again, we give Kenan a whole lot of flack for being so cold-hearted about, you know, killing his his son and being able to, you know, and, and what he did to Juke. But he learned from his mother. Like, his mother sat in that woman's face and prayed with her and everything else. Like, and cried with her and watch your child cry and, and miss his friend. And like, you the reason. But you know good and damn well. Really, the fact actually, that you even had the audacity even blame his mama to go for that. You can't even blame his mama for that because he's actually doing it right now with Davina. You killed her boyfriend and now you well, you're true. grieving with her. So I can't necessarily put that that's on That's true. You're right. That's true. And again, I have to just keep going back to the beginning. You started this. So yeah, your mother, we can, we can say a whole lot of things about Rock, but again, in Rock's mind, it's either my son or your son. And it, if I got anything fitness. to do with it, yeah, if I got anything to do with it, it ain't going to be mine. Now, I'm sorry that it had to be yours, but 
if D Wiz hadn't been with Keenan that day and hadn't pulled the trigger, guess well, what? Actually, this might still be actually alive. yes, D Wiz is a victim. He is a victim. But actually, it was D Wiz's idea. D Wiz. Right. D Wiz started the shit. He was yep. like, yo, they over there, your mother, they over there, your mother's uh, corners. And then he's like, yo, I got some heat. Yep. Like, he was the one that was, it was his gun. Like, there's guns. Yep. And so, I mean, she sat there and prayed with that lady and she cried with that lady and, you know, so Kanan is crying and, you know, that was just a very sad scene to see that, you know, somebody mama like that upset losing her younger child and when the older child is almost like the older child should have been the one to go instead of the younger child because the younger child was trying to do something better with themselves, but really you just didn't know what you had in your younger child because your younger child was lured to the streets as well. So even yeah, though the brother was, was, was in and out of jail... Your your your, yeah. uh, your youngest son was headed in that pathway too, so you know yeah you're a grieving parent right now and I, I guess part of her had to do what she did she went over there took that lady some money and stuff probably and you know hey you know we got to support her because I'm the reason why it happened so you know it's kind of like no different than what Tommy did with well he just did that just to fuck with ghosts because you remember how he showed up at Angela's funeral after he had killed her and gave Pa some money. It was like if you need anything, uh, call me. And like you're oh, the reason, yeah. you're the source of my pain right now. But you're, that's just some cold hearted shit. That is definitely some cold hearted stuff. Yep. But um, and then you see we we end up the uh the the episode with Marvin and Lulu sitting in Marvin's car, and um they watching the corners and they kind of celebrating the fact that uh <laughs> Unique's corners Unique ain't got um, no work. Yeah, he ain't got no workers. <laughs> ain't got no work out there. They, they, Basically, what you're doing right now, Marvin, they laughing and kikiing about it. Yeah, and... but again, did y'all peep? And again, it might be me, y'all, so maybe I saw something y'all didn't see. Once again, Marvin was out of the loop. Marvin was sitting there like, yo, Unique Corners is empty. And Lulu was like, he ain't got no product. And the look that Marvin gave Lulu was like, yeah, And then yep, he started yep, smiling. Yep, yep. No, I peeped that. He wasn't in on like he he knew they were responsible, but he wasn't in on the plan. But you know they don't never tell him nothing though because That's I guess they I'm, feel I'm like saying, Marvin and Lou yeah. took the mouth. I guess well, they feel like yeah. But I'm just saying once again we see an example of Marvin well, they're is cutting not him in out. the loop. Yeah, yeah well, they're, yeah, they're yeah. cutting him out of the 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 decision making process. You know, he may right. know about the things after the fact, just like the whole dog situation. He knew about what happened after the well. Thing. If you go, if you but if you go back to when. Uh, Jukebox went in the house and Rock was in Kanan's room. She said, I don't trust your daddy with all my business. Yep. Remember that? Yep. She said, I don't trust your daddy with all my business. It was uh, obvious. Uh, Marvin's a bit of a hothead and he's a little bit loose at the mouth. We can see that already. So they don't cut him in on the business decision. But you're absolutely right, uh, Crystal. They, I don't think that he knew what was the cause of that. Uh, right. And to be quite honest with you, I don't even know if Lulu may even know because I think it's kind of a decision that Rock decided to make on her own. She had to think Lulu her own. I don't I think I don't think she consulted Lulu in doing it, but I think Lulu knew after the fact. Yeah. What was getting ready to happen. And then of course you see unique, you see these two bins, uh they passing each other in the street. Um and then um, you know Benz uh, and BMW. Unique, yeah, he he was in a black BMW. You're right. Marvin has a Benz. Um, yeah, red. And again, just even that, red. like his flat, the apple. You got an apple red, flashy ass, loud ass apple red Mercedes Benz. Like 
in the sir. hood. <laughs> right, and sitting on the enemy's corner knowing y'all beef. <laughs> yep. And so when Unique passes them, you know, you can see the look on his face like, I'm going to get y'all motherfuckers. He had that look he on know. his face like, he I'm going to fuck them. y'all up. Yeah, he feel like it's, he knows them or feel like it's them. So we really didn't accomplish anything at all then at this point. All we did is set the war in motion now at this point. We really yeah. didn't accomplish anything at all when we killed D-Wiz last week. So I, I, I'm still riding with the family. I'm still riding with the family, but come on, family. We really didn't accomplish anything at all because what we set out to die down, now we're igniting it. So all this mm-hmm. that we did, we gave up the corners, all this to get uh, get the streets quiet. Now we're getting ready to have the streets in the uproar right now. We see that in the previews for the next episode is that, you know, they finna go to war. And we said this in the very beginning that the family didn't have the resources to be starting a war with anybody right now. Right. But well, Unique not... don't Unique don't have no resources either. He already oh, said no. it. Unique look like he got crew. No, but yeah, but he, he already told said, said he, said he told Rock. Us. He said he said neither one of us have the, the um the power to go to war. Neither one of us. Right. And honestly, he told her that. And honestly, I see what you're saying that nothing was accomplished, but that's not that's not really Rock's or Unique's fault. That goes back to Detective Howard and him running up on those corners. Had he not ran up on those corners trying to, you know, doing what to appease appease his his boss and try to help out Unique, if he had stayed the fuck out of it, I really think it would have been over because remember what Unique said, we need a body. Unique was good and Unique didn't have nothing to do with the fact that her corners got hit. But she retaliated. You see what I'm saying? Like had 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 Detective Howard never run up on her corners, it right? Been that that was the catalyst, right? About that because you, Unique didn't have anything to do with her spot getting rolled up. Yeah, so he didn't have nothing to do with it. I agree with that. So, but he paid the the consequence because of it. Yes, yes, she took that uh, out on him. So you're right. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Well. That wraps up this week's episode. I mean, so what y'all think? What, what y'all think we getting ready to see? Because I'm gonna see where we're at episode four now. Moving we said supposed getting shot now. Nah. Yeah, it's the war. The war is brewing, and so, I think we're getting ready to start to see the double cross of um Mar of of Marvin against his sister. I think I think she's gonna have two enemies. I think she's gonna be dealing with unique, and she got a snake in her own organization. Because I think Marvin is getting ready to start making moves. Right, Marvin is a snake, bro. But why is his name Marvin? I'm gonna need you to just come to terms with that, Marvin. Just let that go. You have to come to terms with that. <laughs> but I don't. Think I mean, I have two different. I have two different types of personalities. But one of them is not a snake. It's just a person you might not want to meet. <laughs> Damn. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't share that same opinion with Marvin. I think that Marvin is a bit of a goof up a little bit, um, but I don't necessarily think he's against the family. I don't think that he. I think he has. I think he moves. I look at Marvin very similar to Tasha's character, uh, you know, because she kind of did things outside of the family too that she thought was for the best interest of the family, but kind of ended up making a mess. Um, and sometimes he had to go behind Ghost and clean up his messes and things like that. But I don't think until, it wasn't until towards the end that Tasha started having her own hidden agenda towards the family. So I don't necessarily think that Marvin is against the family. Just like I didn't think that Tasha was against the family. It wasn't until Ghost had really pushed her to the limit where she felt like they were done, they were through. 
he had no hurt her to her core. Then she started was turning it the, against him. Was it the was it the the muffin the forehead or the half smart chicken head? Oh, shit. It, was a, it was definitely the, it was definitely the bush in the forehead. It was definitely ah uh, God, I gotta go back and watch that episode. That episode oh my lord! Ever. But I think. I don't think, but but <laughs> I, I hear what you I hear what you're saying. Um, All Chris, about the drug addiction. <laughs> I hear what you're saying, though, Chris. But this this is I guess this is how I'm feeling about it. I hear what you're saying, but I feel like I feel like Marvin in Marvin's mind he can be he can run the organization better, and he thinks she's fucking up. If you hear him, like he's not happy that he doesn't agree with her she, movement. He doesn't agree right, with her and movement. so I don't think that in his mind. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's moving again. Again, when I say I, I think we're going to see this, the setup, I don't think next week he makes any major moves. But even him using Kanan to try to get some more territory, that's that's a move. Like, the fact that you're using your nephew against his own mother, like, but, that's, that's but, all I'm but, saying. But, but, I feel but, but, like there's some movement That wasn't Marvin's there. idea. That was Kanan's idea. In lieu of Kanan, you yeah, some but yeah it was Kanan's. But he's the adult in the room. He yeah, he could have said... He could have said, "Man, sit your ass down. We ain't going exactly. to get your mama." Exactly. He could that's have. What he, that's what he was supposed to say. But the fact that he went along with it again, I feel like in his mind, he he's supposed to because remember, you can tell that at one point he was in charge, or was being groomed to be in charge. Right. Look, and, man, and, Marvin is off the chain, and I feel at somehow, somewhere. He definitely has an ulterior motive, and we're going to find out what it is. We are going to find out what it is. So uh, my predictions for next week's episode, I feel like Jukebox is getting ready to take our ass right back down there to that uh, place that they stuck up, and she's going to get caught, and she's going to barely get away from um, um, getting caught. Um, I think that uh, everybody's going to start plotting and scheming against each other. I think uh, Unique is going to go ahead and start making his move towards the family. I think that oh, Raquel is going to start making her move towards uh, Unique's crew. I think we're just going to have some bloodbath on our hands. We're going to um, see some characters drop. Probably, you know, episode five is the turn up. So yeah, because it's only 10 episodes, so universe, that's halfway through. Yeah, it's halfway right. through. Yeah, because... I don't know if everyone knows. We use, you usually go in five. Five usually go, go into a break, right? Well, yeah, I think after five, we get a break. But usually five is a catalyst episode that, you know, is getting ready to set the tone for the rest of the season. And it's usually an action-packed uh, episode. So I think four is going to set the tone for five. Five is where we're getting ready to see some things. We're getting go ready to see some things. Yeah, we're finna see some things go down. Okay. Well, that was this week's uh, book three, Raising Canaan, uh, Stick and Move. Um, overall, I thought it was a pretty good episode. What y'all think? It was, it was pretty good. For it. Yeah, for a filler episode, it was very good. Very good. All it right, was pretty so, good. And shout out to my headphones didn't go out this time. I'm so glad you yeah, headphones didn't go out. out this exactly. Time. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so as usual, you guys. Mine either. They lost this. me last week too, Marvin. So mine either. Yeah. Oh uh, wow. That's right. Yeah, we lost. Yeah. I don't know if it's anchor or what it is, man, but it just didn't want to act right with the MacBook. But now I'm recording for my phone. And it's acting perfectly fine. Well, you know, sometimes we have those little technical difficulties, but we always get the episode done. So uh, 
as usual, you can find us on our social media. You know, we're trying to push uh, the movement over to the TSF Entertainment brand. Uh, we got uh, the YouTube and the Instagram, TSF Entertainment. Um, if you guys want to be a part of the show, please reach out. Let us know. We welcome guests. We would love to hear other people's opinions and breakdowns of what we're seeing with these characters. So we would love to welcome anyone on our show. You can also send us voicemails through the Anchor app. So check us out there. You can find me on social media at RetroCG. Oh, you can find me at Really Be uh, TV over on YouTube and on Instagram and Twitter is Really Be TV underscore on YouTube. And you can find me on Instagram at Juggernaut underscore of underscore souls. YouTube, same name, Juggernaut of Souls. And y'all already know I'm dropping a new review coming soon. So, yeah, man. We're looking forward it's to T- that content. It's TSF. All right. It's the TSF universe. I like that. <laughs> 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 we got a lot of things that happen in the TSF universe. All right. We'll see y'all next week, y'all. Peace. We out of here. You are now listening to TSF Entertainment Podcast.